4: Welcome to the Pulp Wrap-Up Show. This is Darkseid from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky that week's Pulp Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at Pulpamex.com. All right, let's wrap this
5: thing up. This is show 500. Thank you, everybody. Uh, first up, he is a eight-time Supercross and Motocross champion, 89 career wins. The king, Jeremy McGrath, 15-time Supercross and Motocross <laughs> champion, 150 wins, Ricky Carmichael.
6: Congratulations on all your success. You're on top of the board.
7: There's no doubt about it. I am uh, humbled to be in the presence of uh, Daniel Blair. Do you remember when Timmy overjumped the triple by about 40 yards and just ghost rode his bike in practice? He, like, was trying to jump to Malibu. Clamp's
0: Shock. fork, yes. A huge accomplishment for me is holding him off for three years. Someone just kill me. Please kill me. The other night on the couch, my kids are like, Dad, you think he's going to catch you? I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. I only exactly. wanted to one because you were I'm old. Not. Dude, I said, these guys are going to lie to you. Because <laughs> I did. I'm like, he's like- I've kind of always wondered like, how Cooper Webb has been as good as he is. Now Eli, we are. we got to
7: get this deal done. What's it going to take? I'll give you some cards out of my dealership. We'll get you set up right down on Star, Mississippi. We'll get you right on in. There. <laughs>
5: that winter, guy bud. should be waxing yeah, me. Day, Do you need I, me to take my be, uh... bat and hit some catchers in the knees? That's a lot of Tonya Harding. Uh,
6: I think he has the most skill on a motorcycle than I've ever seen. He's the Jesus of this
7: sport. You don't need to talk to me. Yeah. You could tell me to beat it, and I'd still be like, those guys are awesome. I mean, like, it geez. wasn't like you guys were coming up to me. and no, no, wanted to say, hey, man, no, no, no. you guys want to <laughs> hang out? Sorry, I wasn't sitting around with Chad, and Chad going, you know, Ricky's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> we should hang with him more. Yeah. I can't even race if I'm
0: all stressed out thinking about him. Yeah. Or thinking about right. him being a dick. I was telling a Skip to be the first Bach fan out of the parking lot.
1: <laughs> I am so pumped to see those guys there. Oh. I'm just like
7: blown away. I just only wish that I was there. And there he was lying out in the bush. I remember yeah. coming down to Orlando and helping you with Ty Birdwell's yeah. bike and putting uh, the decals on it. Mm. I feel like the
8: kid <laughs> at Christmas that was bad and the other kids got everything, and I got nothing. Every
6: I think
0: time. of myself like that, but then I show up, and I'm like, holy shit.
6: Daniel is the hardest working
5: man in Supercross yeah. right now.
0: Two nights? Yeah. Sounds
5: like my wife. Excuse me, I can't hear you over the championship plaques sort are of blocking my ears. <laughs> None of this stuff means I hate you. Yeah. I had to go to the
0: principal's office. Yeah. And I mean, you just told me to go stick my head in my ass, right? The same people that hated Ralph
6: and Emig yeah. uh, are the same guys that want them back in the yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. like, you know what Big Rick taught me? Yeah. Never turn down, never turn one down. down. I'm the guy that made racing no fun.
5: I, Fuelgate. The Fuelgate, yeah. You, you really got away with that one
6: and uh, something had to have been done because what, what was trying to be done wasn't working. I mean, if we were cheating, it wouldn't be with fuel. I know. And he, he looks better with it shaved off.
5: 97 so, comes, and he rips off. Uh, he loses the title to Tim Ferry. Him crashing a few times sort of bought me a little more time. And I don't play fair when I want to win. <laughs> so like, so
6: Now you win, Wygant loses. I'm not going to erase you like a jerk off if I don't have to. He had to <laughs>
0: take the bars <laughs> off to get the gas cap off. It was. Call it the BCS system. The built-in cartwheel system.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's finally here. The show you guys have all been waiting for. Monday night, you were forced to sit through over five hours of content with guys that have silly nicknames like The Goat, The King, JT Money, and that Tubia Media guy. Just so you can get to this show, 500 Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. It's going to be a good one. I hope, anyway, I hope it's good. We're going to make it good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh let me get you to introduce my guests first so we can kick this thing off. First up, he was the star of show the show before 500 from Michelin brought to you by Michelin bicycle tires, Randy Richardson. What's up Randy?
3: Hey, what's up man? I'm just uh, glad to be a part of this. Honored to be a part of uh show 500 and looking forward to recapping show five Oh one. So excited about it. Thank <laughs> exactly, you so much for cause... having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Thanks for uh, offering to be a part of it. And thank you uh, <laughs> as always for being a sponsor proud or not so proud of the Popemix wrap up show.
3: Yeah. It's, bit, it's between proud and embarrassed, but either way, <laughs> uh, either way, we're happy to be a part of it. Yeah, sure. Well, so like thank they say,
4: so they say what uh, any, uh, oh, damn it. My mind just blanked any, uh, all news is good news. Well, man. yeah, I was actually looking for, what. To, what is this? Anything? Is, doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, I'm, I just screwed up the whole show. It sucks. Next up, you may not be able to understand this guy. He doesn't speak very good English, but you can use Google Translate to figure it out. If not, he's a host of the Moto Limited show, and he's brought to you by Seal Savers, my boy, Nick Steele. What up, dude? What's up, Mr. Sod? What's happening, buddy? Not much, man. Excited to get you on here. Uh, have you talked to Randy before, Nick? Um, I don't think so. I'm a pretty big fan of Randy, like the
9: rest of us are. So it's uh, I got huge, huge, shoes to feel being here, but uh, I'm excited.
4: Well, don't worry, Randy can carry the show for the both of us. Hey, that, okay.
3: that's okay, this good. is this is this is absolutely awesome because we have two completely polar opposite accents. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And 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 having been in Australia in 1992 uh, with the name Randy, which I think Nick, you know what that word means in in Australia, so. So, um, um, that was, that that's exciting. So we got two completely polar opposite accents. So we're going to confuse the listeners and keep them on their toes and look forward to a great show tonight.
4: I like it just for the record. I was trying to say any publicity is good publicity. Any sponsorship is good sponsorship, proud or otherwise. That's what I was trying to say. Suck it. If hey, anybody has a problem with it.
3: Exactly. Right. And we're, we're glad to be a part of D all of the above.
4: Right. All right. So show 500, Ricky Carmichael, Jeremy McGrath, Daniel Blair, JT, Skip Norfolk, all in studio with Steve. No call in guests, which I was pretty surprised by. I wasn't expecting that. Uh I loved at the beginning that Steve forgot to turn Daniel Blair's mic on. That was that was great. Uh first of all, did either of you happen to watch any of it on YouTube? Uh Nick. Did you watch I, it? I,
9: yeah, yeah. I, go ahead, Nick. I watched a, I watched a little bit of it, and then I like rewatched it as well. Just because okay. I just you know I like listening to it and then seeing it as well, and then I listen to the podcast as well. But I I try and watch as much on YouTube as I can, and just get more out of it.
4: Yeah, Randy, how about you? Did you get to see any of it? Yeah, I, yeah. I
3: completely agree with Nick. So for me, um, one having been in a studio way back when it was just audio, mm-hmm. I think you miss the opportunity to see um, body language, mannerisms. Um, and and the facial expressions and so on. It just adds to the emotion of the show. So so I certainly try to uh, watch all of it on YouTube, which I did for this show, especially knowing that you had these two iconic uh, guys within our sport. Um, I'm not talking about Daniel and JT, but these two iconic <laughs> guys in a sport, and and then also knowing I do the wrap up. So so watch the show through and through on YouTube, and awesome. uh, just yeah, just another example of uh, Steve giving us insights to bench racing that otherwise we would never have access to.
10: Yeah,
4: absolutely. And the reason I ask that though specifically, I ask this almost every week, is because this week in particular, Nick, I I felt like you could see the joy on Steve's face. This was not just another podcast for him. This was obviously just 500 shows is a milestone, uh, but having those guys in there, like you could just see the joy and the love of what he's doing on, on that particular show.
9: Absolutely. You know, you know, that's a big thing as well because Steve deserves it, man. You know, Steve's done so much to get to where he is now. We didn't really think something like this would ever happen. And, you know, Steve might come across to some people as being grumpy or angry or, or always cranky, but he generally looked like he enjoyed it and was excited to have it happen. And dude, when, when they're all feeling it and that emotion, we sort of feel that as well. I find.
4: Absolutely. And, and Randy, what were your thoughts overall on the show? Did it live up to expectations? Did you enjoy the openness of the guests? The stories? like, what were your overall thoughts?
3: Um, I was I was overwhelmed um and tickled to death, happy. Um we all know you know hashtag Strava Steve, but I think we all got the opportunity to see um, giddy steve and and because Steve, like myself, and' like so many others who who benefit from the Pulp Mix podcast we're we're just fans of the sport, mm-hmm. you know everyone from from people generations before me who listened to Adam Cincirillo, who's a fan of the sport. Um, it was cool to see Steve just giddy, like giddy to have um r c and m c in the house and uh yeah overall, I love the show. I thought there was so much and i know we'll get into it there was so much in depth conversation and backstories and and truly insight to to conversations and and situations and circumstances that otherwise you would never know about you'd never know about and and honestly, I think the authenticity of the conversations were that Ricky. And Jeremy had never even had those conversations amongst themselves until they shared that with Steve and with all of us uh, listeners.
4: Absolutely, you hit that nail on the head. Okay, we're about to get really get into this thing. Uh, it was a lot different pulp show, as I kind of mentioned, than normal, without like calling guests, without set topics, race tech rant. Uh, you know, usually they're going to talk about St. Louis or they're going to talk about this and that. And they did a little bit, but it was a different vibe. So this wrap up show is going to be interesting to get into. I don't know how we're going to cover everything, uh, a little bit limited time, mainly my fault because of, well, weather and stuff going on here in Texas. We're a day behind everybody kind of conformed to help me out, make this thing happen. So thank you to Randy. Thank you to Nick, but we're about to get into this thing. Uh, the first thing I really want to talk about, or first of all, you got to stay tuned once Randy and Nick are done. I pre-recorded with... Jason Thomas, Pookie, uh, Marks, Talon, and Daniel Blair, all separately to get some inside s- stories or their thoughts on the show. The stuff that happened off the air, just their feelings. So that's all going to be at the end of this thing. So don't, don't give up on it too soon. It's, it's going to be like a two-hour wrap-up show. Hope you guys enjoy it. But first thing I want to touch on, Nick, I'll go to you first. This is like, I'm calling these the century shows, right? He talked about 100 through 500, the different things. Let's listen to a little bit, and I've got a couple questions.
5: Five hundred shows. We brought you show one hundred. The great Western Bank team. We're all here except for Phil Lawrence. Show two hundred. We lined up all our old co-hosts. Show three hundred. We had Reed villaman and Ferry in here. Show four hundred, aka the shit show. Uh, Ryan Villapoto, Jake Weimer, Adam Cincirillo, and uh, Nick Way were in studio. And for five hundred, I'd like to think we did it again. Uh, first up, he is a eight time Supercross and Motocross champion. Eighty nine career wins. The king, Jeremy McGrath, 15-time Supercross and Motocross <laughs> champion, 150 wins, Ricky Carmichael. Uh, could, could could anyone ever believe it? No. That
6: it's just me no. and you
5: in here, right? Maybe him and I, right? but, but not, <laughs> not you and I. Uh, also here, of course, a couple of great co-hosts that we have. They have titles of their own. Uh, two-time German Supercross champion, Jason Thomas. Also here, he's a regional arena cross Lights champion. He is also the uh, pit reporter for the uh, Supercross races. This is Daniel Blair. Between the four of us, we have
4: 239 wins and 23 titles. <laughs> All right, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. I, I didn't ask your overall thoughts on this episode, so I want to get that, and I want to know where this show stacks up as far as century shows I and mean, just overall. Was this the best show ever,
9: dude? I'm I'm putting this in top three Ooh. just because you know when when I start thinking about my favorite. It's like someone will remind me about this one and that one. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, that one. So I'm just going to put into top three, you know, talking about it as a whole. It's, there's things in this show that they learnt about each other. Steve learnt about them. Ricky learned about Jeremy. That's insane considering, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the type of people that are in there and the stories that are coming up. Is just it, it, it makes sense to so many different things that sort of we knew as history in the sport. We could never really put the dots together. I think, you know, what we've we seen there on, on Monday night is we witnessed something that's truly historic. It's, it's incredible. And it's, I, I think everyone who, you know, grew up in the 90s and, and, you know, watched that motocross and was a fan of Ricky and Jeremy should watch this because, uh, dude, I learned so much more. But I surprised myself as well with how good Ricky Carmichael was. I knew he was going to be good, I didn't think he was going to be that good.
4: I can agree with you on that one for sure, Randy. And I already asked your feelings on the show overall. What I want to know from you is like with the with the century shows that he listed off. Mm-hmm. Like, what does he do for six hundred? Like, is there anything in your mind you could go? Okay, this could be equal to or top it because I I told JT last night that I kind of feel like this show has to be set aside from the overall, uh, like top 10, top 15 almost, because I feel like it's so different to me and I don't know how you do better. I don't even know how you get back to that level.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's very unique in that it's a, uh, like, I'm just thinking back, like, as a fan of, one back in the nineties, Jeremy McGrath. And and then like when I raced supercross, ninety three, four, five, like, like I bought doc Martins because of that guy. I bought shorts <laughs> because of that guy. Right. I didn't pierce my ears like Steve did, but nonetheless, he was so influential in the sport and then watching, uh, Ricky come up. And then, you know, when we Michelin were heavily involved in supercross watching, um, that transition that they talk about at the O one race, the O two race, watching that passing of the baton, um, they're both just amazing icons within the sport, and they have what we as fans have always thought. They had two completely different stories, but then to see that they where those stories overlap, and where there were those similarities, and where there were those shared experiences, and what have you. Talking about RC sitting on MC's bike when he was a Team Green kid, right? Um, it, it 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 is a I think it's an iconic um, standalone show that gives insight between two. Uh, legends within the sport that otherwise, like we'd never been privy to those convers to, to this conversation, and I don't know that this conversation's ever been had before. It did sound like guys, it, right? Yeah. No, no, ah, uh-uh, no, no. So, so you know, again, and tip of the hat to Steve for for making that happen, and and thank you on behalf of all of us listeners and fans of the show.
4: Absolutely, yeah, you're right about that. It was full of surprises and joy listening to it, and things that I wasn't expecting stories. You kind of heard some of these stories through magazines or whatever back in the day, but then they would clarify some things. It was fantastic. Um, Let's quickly, let's get into a couple of, there were a couple general topics that were talked about. Uh, I want to start with Jet Lawrence discussion.
5: Um, Daniel has gone on the record as saying he is next, right? Whatever you want to Say as far as wins and titles, There's he an exact is next. term yeah, yeah. actually. Okay, yeah, generational.
6: Uh, I think he has the most skill on a motorcycle than I've ever seen. You watch him ever? The, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Damn. Close. He's top five e- or top three easily. I watched a. Yep. I sent this to Bondo, actually, our producer on on the show, and I said, "Dude, watch this dude going through the whoops," and he he adjusts his body three times to the bike going. He missed one, so he, he adjusts then the bike goes sideways, he adjusts, and then the bike starts to loop out and he and he adjusts That's when he don't ca-
0: happen so easy on 450 no they don't <laughs> I, no,
6: I agree <laughs> with you, but <laughs> yeah. but dude, even like when he crashes <laughs> he he makes it gracefully for the most part What yeah. scares me for him I, I'm not going all in like Daniel, but I just think he has a lot of distractions and m c you know this to win at the 450 level and you, you can't have distractions you can't in have a this life. day. You can't it doesn't, really have a life. you're right. It yep. doesn't seem. Yeah,
0: thanks, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Jeremy's I trying to have it, a life. Huh? I had to... a fun life. I had a yeah. <laughs> <used to> <laughs> great I <used> to get, <laughs> life. I used to
6: get so pissed. Cavasu, <laughs> like, chicks. Hey, no, yeah, I'm like, is... dude, this is, it used to piss me off. I'm like, dude.
0: <laughs> Ricky
7: single handedly destroyed the economy of Lake Havasu, <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think he's handling it fairly well at the moment, yep. but it's a lot, it's twice the workload once you get to the next class. And you're not going to be able to just do it on raw talent. Yep. And he has a ton of it, mm-hmm. and he is fun to watch. He seems like he's in a gear higher than the rest of the guys. He's just really smooth. It's fun to watch. Between the guys, they better hurry up because Lawrence is coming. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, Sexton better get a win or a championship before Lawrence <laughs> yeah. gets there because yeah. he's going to beat him. Yep. You know, I I would agree. I think he's going to be he's going to be the guy. I think. You think? Okay. We've we've been led to believe that Lawrence will be the guy, but I mean, we've seen how many errors this year. In this class, yeah, he's done some goofy ones. Really, mm-hmm. really bad decision making at the moment, and it's it takes a while to figure some of that out. Yep. As far as raw speed and talent, I think he he's got that on yeah, lock
4: now. Right. All right, Randy. So, two things with that audio. You know, we hear all this stuff about Jet from the media, from the fans, from wh- whoever, but when you hear it from those two guys, it, it's sort of almost like you. I I always want to take it as gospel, but the other thing I want to touch on since you guys both watched it on YouTube was. When Ricky said he's the most skilled rider he's ever seen, R- Jeremy's face didn't love that, I don't think. But so I want to get your thoughts on those two things.
3: Yeah, I I think that Jeremy kind of uh did like a little bit of a turtle. He kind of like retracted <laughs> yep. his face like a like a turtle pulling their head back in the shell. He's like, Oh,
9: oh, oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh really?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and and then I think that um yeah, I th- I think that that while Jet is an amazingly gifted rider, right? You have to look back at, quote, all time. And you think about, uh, Ron machine. You think about Kevin Wyndham, you think about Travis Pastrana, you think about Jeremy McGrath, all these guys who, who have, regardless of their success within the sport, you look at just their talent and talent doesn't always equal championships, right? Like my buddy K-Dub, right? He's, Mm -hmm. he's, he's one of the most gifted riders of all times, but, but didn't secure the championships that everyone thought he was just destined to achieve. And then Travis Pastrana and I are both were tied in 250 CC supercross wins at zero. (laughs) And, uh, and, and he loves it when (laughs) I remind him of that. Um, so, you know, you thought he was destined to quote, carry the sport, right? Um, I, I, I think jet is an amazingly gifted rider. Um, I, I just hope that we, I say we, the sport, like I, I sound like, a, you know, we, our sport, quote our sport. I just hope that, um, those within the sport don't put so much on his shoulder that overload him with an unreasonable expectation, right? That young man, he, he's 18 or 19 right now, right? He needs to figure his path out as it goes and, and achieve whatever success comes to him. Right. Um, so yeah, I just, I just hope we don't put quote too much pressure on him.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's something at that young of an age, uh, it's a lot to handle. And, and what we'll is a kid? Yeah.
3: Oh Dude, yeah. He's a kid. He's a kid, and there are a lot of racers that are um honestly i'm fifty five years old and I'm probably I have an eighteen year old mindset in so many ways and I can't even fathom the 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 load and the responsibility of both he and Hunter when you look at the backstory of that entire family and how they're carrying that family moving forward. That's a lot of pressure, so I hope we just let the dude race and let him achieve what he achieves and uh and 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 evolve into the racer that he is,
4: I like it, uh Nick, I just what about your thoughts on on the goat's breakdown of his riding, and McGrath saying yeah, I think he's going to be the next guy it's just interesting to see you yeah know, that was a long breath different. there, Nick that was. <sighs>
9: Every every time I begin to talk about jet, it usually is a long breath. Yeah, so it's interesting to see both <laughs> their you know opinions of it. I think you know when 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 Daniel Blair talks about jet being generational, I think he he's almost talking a different aspect. Like okay, jet's going to change the game with how people view the sport, and then you know with merchandise and stuff like that. He's going to you know set his own way and stuff we've never seen like that before but you you can't possibly put jet lawrence and say Travis australia in that same one for you know pushing the sport and doing what they did it's i i sort of agree with randy 100 i that's exactly how i feel and I, I just don't think we can go around you know constantly talking about throwing that on him and putting that expectation on him when he is so young like Let's just let the kid do what he do what he's got to do, and then uh, you know if, if by the end of it the stats are looking there, let's let's start talking that. But it's yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like I think Chris Kiefer said on the Pop Next show once when it was just like we're getting jets thrown at us every single place, yeah, over and sure, over. Sure, and I, I, That's that's something that sort of gets to me a little bit, but uh, I I agree with Randy one hundred percent as well.
4: All right, all right. Uh, so I told you guys. That Randy's brought to you by Michelin bicycle tires. Nick is brought to you by Seal Savers. I'm brought to you. I'm Darkside, by the way, in case you didn't know. And I'm brought to you by Guts Racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and the, the King, who was in studio in the 90s, to Ricky Carmichael who was in studio, and James Stewart, who was not in studio in the 2000s and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Okay, so freaking many stories Monday night, guys. The one I want to touch on first, or the topic I kind of want to touch on first, is racing in the 90s.
0: I think we were lucky to be growing up. And racing in the 90s, you know, and, and that was part of it. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you were a part of it. I mean, I yeah. think that changed all of our lives, not just yours. And we, we didn't really know how cool it was until after the 90s, really. So yeah.
6: I, I always go back to we had to change the game to, to beat this guy sitting next to me. You know, it's uh, credit to him. I mean, he's the winningest rider in Supercross. No one's ever going to touch that, uh, even championship-wise. And uh something had to have been done because what what was trying to be done wasn't working.
0: I could <laughs> say as a fan after that what 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 you did to figure out and break the code, yeah, set up some great stuff for exactly what he's talking about yeah you chad James, yeah
4: Nick, I'll go to you first on this one uh the respect for each other is awesome, and we hear more of that throughout the night, but just uh thoughts on their thoughts of the nineties what it meant to them, you know, which there was more audio, obviously, than I played. But just uh what did you take away from that discussion?
9: You know, I think you use that word perfectly, respect. The respect that these guys have for each other is insane. You know, they talk about a little bit later in the show as well, people, you know, thinking that Ricky hates everyone. He goes, I didn't hate everyone. I just nobody talked to me or I didn't talk to them. There was a big difference in it. But it's, it's just crazy to... To think, okay, back then and then fast forward, you know, 10, 15 years to where we are and to you guys to have them sitting in the pulpit studio talking about it together and just being as cool as it is, you know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like in there in the studio it's like they felt like they've been good friends for ages. do you guys do you feel the same way? Do you feel like, you know, they are actually pretty good friends in real life?
4: I didn't think that. I definitely got that vibe and I'm, I was actually going to get to that in a second. Uh, but Randy, your thoughts on what Nick just asked.
3: Um, yeah, I, like, like reflecting on the nineties, right. Um, like, like, I, like as a full on privateer, like trying to you know consistently making the night show and being at times on the same starting line as Jeremy McGrath, but nowhere in the same world as Jeremy McGrath. Like the nineties was just amazing. Right. Um, and I think that's awesome. And then, and then seeing when I'm managing our racing and seeing Ricky come in and change that sport into the early 2000s and the fitness and what have you, it's it's just two completely different eras that we'll never have a chance to revisit uh, revisit again. But um, to see that that changing of the guard and not only um, that that it wasn't just the passing of the baton, the baton changed considerably from. Uh, like Jeremy talked about, it, going to Club Rubber and hanging out. And, and you know, in, in 97, my wife and I, after the Dallas Supercross, we went out and hung out with Jeremy and others at his pimp and hoe party at the Fairmont Hotel there in Dallas. <laughs> I heard about times, You know, yeah. great, great times. like yeah. Great times, great after parties. And then in the early 2000s, um, you know, when managing our racing with Michelin, I saw, wow, everyone's just going home and going to bed because they got to get get ready to go home tomorrow and spin whatever um so it's a complete uh it's a changing of and the um, transformation of the baton uh from the 90s to the early 2000s but but it's cool it's cool go back going back with it those two individuals have an amazing amount of respect for each other and uh and that's that's some that's that's enlightening to see for sure
4: absolutely and yeah nick i I didn't, I would not have thought like those guys were as buddy-buddy as they are and have
5: the history. And actually speaking of their history, but let's listen to this first. When do you first hear about Carmichael and he's coming? And, and is it not until he's like 97 when he w- works Lampson or is it before then? No, no, no. Okay. As, as he said before, like our parents are friends. Yeah. So when Ricky was young, oh, I, I know he took the Green, photo,
0: but I didn't think that team was Green actually Days. Yeah, Team Green Day. Oh, Every, when he shit. came to California, he would stay with like his mom would stay with my parents. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I, am. I so, don't know any of this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Ricky and I, like, I watched a, yeah. him come up, like from Team Green. Okay. I mean, the the writing was on the wall. It was we yeah. were going to meet at yeah. some point. Yeah. You know, when he came to 250 class at the time, right? So yep. the premier class. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I guess you could, you know, I was like, okay, I'm ready for him. Yeah. And he was still finding, you know, he's trying yep. to figure it out. Him crashing a few times sort of bought me a little more time. Did
5: you think you could challenge him in '99? Yeah. Were you um, like,
6: like I did after the heat race in San Diego before I got the foot to the peg because okay. we were in the same heat race mm-hmm. and I I beat he he was like right right behind me and I'm like I beat him and I'm like I know this dude was going to try to pe- beat me in the heat race. Yeah. it wasn't disrespectful, but yeah, I'm yeah. like man, I think I can do it. All right, I fell like second or third lap. And then I took four or five weeks off, come back at Tampa. I pulled the whole shot. I led for like 12 laps or something, yep. like 10 or 12 laps. And, uh, yeah, at that point is when I knew I had my work cut out for me. Yeah. Fast forward to t- 2001, I remember 2000 was probably tougher for me okay. than 99 was because 99 I had gotten hurt. And I messed so many races, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, yeah. that's a wash. Two thousand was like, Man, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a one twenty five guy. Yeah. Um I thought that I was in shape. I wasn't. And I and I knew that I was practicing more than anyone else. <laughs> right. And I was like I was trying to poach his trainer. Um was it Corey at the time? Corey Wharf, yeah, 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 yeah. Corey I was trying to poach him. Were you really? <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 Oh Absolutely. 100%. Uh, I don't play fair when I want to win. <laughs> so, like. so,
0: from 2000 going into 2001, I didn't do anything different. I didn't expect him to do a change. I was like, okay, if, if we do on. exactly what he did yeah, in, in 2000, I'm like, I'll do what I do, and it's, it'll work out. Yeah. It's fine. And then when I got there and we got to San Diego i won round one yeah. but then san diego i was like oh, oh shit
4: <laughs> all right randy so a lot to uh take out of all that audio but the the background of them knowing each other their parents being friends like I, this is again why pulp is so great we heard the story probably would have never heard the story otherwise like i would have never even guessed that that was a thing
3: yeah I completely agree I, did, I didn't know that uh I didn't know that overlap between the two and that timeline and what have you. Like you would obviously assume, uh, like Ricky recently posted the overlap of he and yeah, the Instagram, the thing of him wanting to grow up and be like Timmy Ferry, right? Like they're Florida, Florida. That makes sense. But the timeline overlap between a little young kid from Florida and then, you know, an up and coming guy from Southern California, you wouldn't think there would be a direct overlap. So yeah, that was enlightening to me. Um, but like, uh, like Steve talked about on the I think the Motor Sixty Show today, um, those guys talking about um, you know Mitch's guy being Jeremy and then the future Mitch's guy being uh, Ricky. There's that that impending overlap of those two uh, up and coming racers.
4: Yeah, and you would think like you know just racers, men in general having egos that Ricky would or Jeremy would have been like, I don't want this guy coming to you know I, I like he would have a a negative outlook towards Ricky coming. He's coming to take, he's, he may be the next guy and have this, you don't, you don't really want that to come be taken away from you, but it sounds like Jeremy was like, yeah, I knew he was coming and I was ready for the challenge. Like I was looking forward to it almost.
3: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think uh, Jeremy thought he was ready. Yeah, but yeah. Then, but then, then, as he explains in the interview, uh, when he realized that he wasn't ready, it was too late to get ready. Right. Yep. So, like he said, between between San Diego and the next round, of Anaheim, you 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 can't develop conditioning that quick within one week. So all the work that Ricky had done in the off season uh, had built a foundation that Jeremy couldn't replicate in one week's time. So.
4: Yeah, Nick, it's so crazy to hear like the, it's almost like the change of, um, I guess it's change of an era. The, the, the change in the way the sport was handled, it looks like from the stories, almost like it was overnight, you know? I mean, obviously it took three years is what Ricky said to kind of figure it out, but it felt like it happened overnight. And then the fact that Ricky's saying there was a point when I thought, well, maybe I'm just going to be a 125 guy, but he didn't let that, Get in his head so much that he just gave up. He's he figured it out. I mean, why, which is why he's the goat.
9: Absolutely, and you know that was one thing I took from it as well. Was you know he had these thoughts, like, dude, I never thought in my life that Ricky Carmichael had the thoughts that he was just going to be a one-two-five guy, and then you know going back to that that piece of audio before as well. I've never known that they were like family friends or, you know, he knew about him growing up from team green and like, that's, that's the incredible thing that I think like all these people from the nineties and, you know, big fans of the sport never even knew about it. And, you know, thanks to Steve, we obviously can. Is there, is there been like any interviews ever done before like with these two guys or is this the first time they've actually sat down and done you know, a long form interview together?
11: I have
4: never read or heard one, so I'm, as far yeah, as to, I know, it's the first. Yeah,
3: to my knowledge, uh, you know, again, a uh, a fan of the nineties, a race in the nineties, and being involved in the sport from the two thousands moving forward, I, I, I do not know of any other um, in depth conversation between the two of those guys, uh, you know, truly a conversation. So, so again, that's another reason why I think Show Five Hundred is the best pulp mech show ever.
4: I. I- so I'm standing by that. I, I'm I'm on mm-hmm. board with yep. you. Yep. All right. Yep. Let's shift gears just a little bit. So every once in a while, every couple of weeks, I'll talk about the callers that call in. This week, we had some good calls. Uh, the lines were full all night. Some were on hold for over two and a half hours and still never got through. But some did, including Nash and this caller. Mm-hmm.
3: And there he was lying out in the bush.
4: Well, I guess I that is not the audio that I thought I had. I thought there was more to it than that. <laughs> So I that cut that like a, that,
3: that, honestly, that sounded like a Jim Holly drop. Yes,
4: it did. So yeah, I may I may go back and fix that. There was supposed to be a little more of the call from Debbie Mathis, but maybe I'll leave it as is. I love okay. Debbie. Debbie is so awesome. I've got to meet her a couple times. I love that she got through. Uh, I know like how proud of Steve she is, Randy mm-hmm. and Pookie. Kind of touched on that, and you know she grew up. She watched these guys as Steve was a kid, a fan of the races. you know, as a teenager and growing into, before he left Canada, I love Mm -hmm. that Debbie called in and talked about decals or decals. Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that just, I love that call. That was my favorite call of the night.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's obvious that, that Steve's mom has been extremely supportive of his uh, passion for all things moto. You know, she's tried to steer him to be a long haul truck driver. Right. And, you know, thank, thank, thank Steve and thank God that he didn't take that path because uh, uh you know he he probably wouldn't even have been a part of the Canadian protest. But anyway, um the truck driver protest. But <laughs> probably nonetheless, not. yeah nonetheless. But I but I'm so so glad that he that he's so freaking stubborn that he just kept pushing forward to be what he's become. Um, with, with, along with the amazing support of first and foremost, Debbie, um, to support him emotionally and financially through the years. Cause like he said, he reached out to his mom for some money to make things happen. Right. right And then labor and then later meeting Angie, or as we know, or Pookie. And then she has an unwavering support of him throughout the years. So those two women, um, need to be, uh, recognized for, a lot of what we benefit from today so yeah it's awesome i love i love when debbie's on i love uh, seeing her when she's in town and i've had the opportunity to be in studio when she's in vegas and she's an amazing lady for sure
4: yeah absolutely let me play that call again just in case everybody missed it because it's really okay. long and Mary was lying out in the bush <laughs> love it and then nick uh were there any <laughs> calls that stood out to you other than debbie or do you have any thoughts on just debbie getting to call in and her being proud of her son her baby boy
0: yeah dude i'm
9: um that was probably one of my favorites too. You know, I was lucky enough to meet Debbie when she was in town with the the pulp show that I was lucky enough to be on. And, you know, she was an amazing lady. It's really, really, really kind. And, you know, it's funny listening to her call as well was she knew how truly amazing it was to have Jeremy and Ricky um, Mm -hmm. in the house with Steve. And you could actually hear it in her voice of, you know, how proud of Steve that was. And, it's little things like that that I think. Uh, I think every single person that listens to this show is, you know, they understand how how big it is and you know how proud of her, uh, how proud of Steve she is, especially when she gets off the phone and Steve throws in the "Love You, Mum." Yeah. You know, it's,
10: it's it's probably on the
9: biggest biggest Holmbeck show ever, and it's um you still get that that part of Steve that you don't get um, week in week out. So, I uh, yeah I agree. You know, with Pookie and, and Debbie as well, there's probably been a massive playing. Playing, uh, playing advocate in in what we've seen and over the last few years, and I sort of like it how they she sort of acknowledges JT and and <laughs> Daniel Blair as well, and it's uh it, it was just a good thing to add in there. I don't know if he knew she was calling in or if Mark or Fallon sort of put it together, but uh it it was well, really good, and it could I don't think it could have been at a better timing in the show either.
4: Yeah, well, if you uh, Nick, when this show is posted, if you want to go back and listen to the end of the show, Pookie actually talks about that call and kind of how she got on air and all that good stuff. So, um, and just for the record, if you're one of those callers that was on hold and maybe um, didn't get on. Yeah. Don't listen to the Pookie Pookie talk about how Debbie got on. So, well, well, yeah, (laughs) it might've made some room for Debbie.
3: No, as they should have. Yes, I know. To be honest, as they should have. And, and while I am a,
4: I say I'm a first and
3: foremost, I'm a huge fan of McGrath. I'm a huge fan of RC and I'm a, Based on my employment, I'm a relatively significant contributor to the Pulp Mech Show and the Pulp Wrap-Up Show. I, I wasn't going to call in because I didn't want to interrupt that, but, but, but Debbie Mathis and Pookie Mathis have been instrumental in contributing to the success of this platform. So if they got a, quote, inside scoop or, or someone dialed out and called Debbie, you're dang right she should have been a part of this show.
10: Absolutely. So if,
3: any, if anyone has a problem with that, they need to evaluate their own perception of <laughs> life.
4: Very true. Very true. All right, yeah. Randy. You mentioned a second ago being a fan of McGrath, and I don't know how anybody couldn't be. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play some audio a second, but I want to get your guys's maybe if you've had either one of you have ever had any interactions with McGrath. I want to get your thoughts here in a second. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him as a fan, as I kind of mentioned with my first two supercrosses. Uh, Three or four years later, I met him at Dallas, and uh, I've got a couple McGrath stories that are cool to me anyway. Uh, And then now doing media, I've had him on my show one time. Uh, He always, when he sees me, he recognizes me and says hi. Now, I know he did not know who the hell I was when I called in. Like, he didn't put two and two together that he had met me before. But my point I'm trying to get to is McGrath is known and is one of the coolest people you will ever meet there's he just has the aura of cool like James Dean would have and he's also one of the nicest people in the world and he kind of talks about why he feels like he should be cool to fans so let's listen
0: you know look those those nights at the local tracks are so fun you get to talk with the people mm-hmm. meet guys like you yourself and um you know like look that that was I, I, that was great because it's a lasting impression, right? I mean, and as story, a as yeah. a fan of sports guys, yep. as a fan of other pros and other sports, that's oftentimes you you're just a little scared to meet guys that you really like, right? Because you don't want them to be a jerk. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I just tried to remember that the whole way. And look, I'm I, only a dirt bike racer. I've
5: told this you know? story. <laughs> I've told this story 50 times on this show. When I first became a mechanic, '96 PJ One Team, '97 Birdwell. I was just a greaseball Canadian trying to figure out how to be a mechanic. Worked for Corey Keeney, Sean Kalos, right, Birdwell, and we were at Troy, Ohio. I think there were some girls involved in the parts room at Yamaha, Honda, Troy one night, and like like a show or whatever. You were there. We were all there. <laughs> nah, it's, statute statue limitations been, has gone I don't past. Know. <laughs> um, and like I just remember, like you couldn't, you did not need to be cool to me. Like I was just nobody. And I remember talking to you, and you being cool. You asking me about, like, oh, how's Kalos or how's Keeney or Birdwell or whoever I was working for? Yeah. And it's always like, fuck, this guy is dominating the sport. He's the the Jesus of this sport, and he couldn't be any cooler. 96.
7: I'm uh, 16, about to turn 17, and uh, it was before Daytona. So right, I'm riding, whatever, and these guys are all practicing. There's this track called Three Lakes. Okay, so Honda guys were there. Lampson was there, whatever. And I knew – the people that owned it and ran it, whatever. And I I was allowed to ride there at the same time these guys were. And same thing, right? I'm a B rider. These guys are Supercross champion. They're factory Honda, like, whatever. And could not be nicer, right? right? They're, like, asking me, like, oh, yeah, you look pretty, like, you know, like, you don't need to talk to me. Yeah, You could tell me to beat it. And I'd still be like, those guys are awesome. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and it was so much grace there. And so humble in that moment like that means a lot to people when you don't Mm -hmm. have to be nice to somebody you choose to anyway right and you know
5: your kid like and and i remember thinking to myself this guy is just so rad and he's the number one guy in the sport well i appreciate the cool comments the thing is uh you know me looking
0: at other sports stars would be like i would feel weird if the guy didn't talk to you you know i'd be like oh he's why why would you act like that because look we're all normal guys look we throw on a helmet the same way
4: randy I'm going to ask you go to you first about, you know, if you have any MC stories, but I love a lot of what he said because as a fan before I got into media, even still now as media, I do set these guys a little bit. I'm still at a point where I'm a little bit in awe of some of these guys and they are on a little bit of a pedestal for me, especially a guy like McGrath. And every time I've ever met him, I don't really specifically remember the meetings in 90 and 91 very well but i do remember you know being in the pits at uh in dallas in 93 94 94 autograph signings were over and i had this drawing i had done of him in art class and i just like was i handed it to skip and i said hey i know like autographs are over would you just give this to him and he said well hang on a second hang on a second and he went and hopped in the bo- back of the box van and showed it to jeremy and jeremy came out and visited with me for a few minutes like he didn't have to do that and now when I see him at the races the same way like he always says hi he's so friendly and he, you know he's like I'm just a regular guy you know I put my helmet on the same as everybody else it, it, there's sort of a part of me that feels like no no you're not just a regular guy you're almost a god but he's not right so it's really cool that he doesn't have that ego and that he cares that the fans that you know that that time where they get to meet him is very important to the fans and he recognizes that
3: yeah. I agree with you completely. And, 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 and again, to clarify that 90 back in the nineties, that was back when you had the ponytail, right?
4: No, I hadn't started growing it yet. I was still in high school. So <laughs> really? yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was pre-pony. Pre-pony, was pre-pony. man. Short hair. Yeah. Cause uh, and, at my school, and, and, you and weren't now, allowed and, to have long hair.
3: We're pre-pony. Now we're post-pony. Yes. Um,
4: which Ricky so, seemed so, to
3: like. Exactly. So, so Jeremy has always been. I'll say very genuine and authentic, you know, and, and, and to your point, regardless of his amazing accomplishments, he's always remained, um, amazingly humble. Yep. And genuine. Right. Um, it's, it's like, uh, back in the fall when, I uh, know early this year, when, when he and Kim and their daughters were here for the motocar fight club, we went and had lunch in Greenville where he, where he's racing the flat track cars or whatever. He, he's the king of supercross, but yet, he, he's just a genuine dude we're sitting there having lunch and he's just he's just uh uh you know like one of your buddies right and and that's not normal um for me i've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different athletes some of which who have nowhere near the accomplishments of him yet they have an ego or an arrogance <laughs> that 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 shouldn't exist right yeah and jeremy and jeremy and ricky respectfully jeremy and ricky both have have I don't want to say every right, but they, they have the accolades and the accomplishments to put themselves on a pedestal that they choose not to put themselves on based on who they are as a person. And I think that's, that should be applauded more than their accomplishments within the sport.
4: Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause like, I keep thinking these guys, like if they had egos and they were just like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, I don't have time for you. Like, you'd kind of go, Well, oh, I'm not really surprised. Like you kind of really, mm-hmm. you'd be bummed, but you wouldn't really be surprised. Mm-hmm. And McGrath has never been that way. Do you have, no. uh, uh, before we get to Nick, do you have a McGrath meeting, maybe the first McGrath meeting or anything that stands out as like exceptionally cool or interesting?
3: Uh, no, it had been it'd been It had been early nineties. Yeah. And when, when he and I, based on my and his racing accomplishments, we both basically retired Bradshaw, which is, which is <laughs> unfortunate.
4: He almost retired me.
3: <laughs> no, no, we, we um, I, I jokingly say that um, I met him through James Eichel and Jeremy Buell and yeah. you know, like a friend of a friend thing. And here's what school is, though Jeremy would have been, you know, on the his meteoric rise to fame, uh, a friend of a friend was a friend to him. and uh, And I think that speaks volumes to who he is as a person. So nothing really, really stands out other than he's just, again, genuine dude.
4: Absolutely. Nick, have you ever had the chance to meet Jeremy? Yeah, I, you know, I've met Jeremy
9: from obviously, you know, standing in the autograph line yeah. for, for hours and hours on end. But, you know, going back to the story with, you know, um, times you've met the guy as well and then listening to Randy there and, you know, listening to him on the Pulp Show, he is he's just a down-to-earth guy. And, you know, being the king of Supercross, being a down-to-earth guy, I think these days that type of thing is forgotten about. And there's a lot of, you know, athletes in, in this day and age that could learn from Ricky and Jeremy and, you know, be, uh, be a, a little bit better with the fans or, you know, uh, appreciate sort of the, the situation they're in and, you know, what they get to do. So uh, I look up to Ricky Carmichael. I've, um, I've, I've ran into Ricky, you know, a couple of times, both here in Australia and at Las Vegas as well. And, dude, he gave me all the time in the day, Um, you know, spoke about Australia, got a photo. He was, he was super, super good. So um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Ricky Carmichael fan.
4: Yeah. I was going to touch on Ricky next. I don't have any audio, but uh, just on this topic, but I, I just tell Pookie and I think a couple other people on the post stuff you'll hear that like, I had a perception of Ricky. Like I wasn't a Ricky fan because I was a McGrath fan. I didn't like the way he came in and I felt like he was really cocky and JT kind of actually confirmed like, well, he was cocky at that time, you know, but I had a bit of a negative perception, Nick, of what kind of person Ricky Carmichael was. And then when I finally met him a couple years ago, uh, and I think it was at one of the Supercross Future races, obviously after a Supercross, and he was down there, he was so nice that it kind of mind-effed me. I was like, well, wait a minute. you know. And then like a week later, I see him again, and he comes and says hi to me. And I was not prepared for that. Like, no, you're an asshole. You're supposed to be an asshole, Ricky. And he just isn't. He's so nice. He's busted my balls numerous times because he's been there for a couple mistakes I've made during interviews on press day, and he calls me out every time loudly. And like, <laughs> he's great, man. And like, you and you could see that really, Nick Monday night when certain callers or certain stories were being told and he would lean forward and he'd be like, wait, 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 like ask a question. It might be a personal question. Like, give me more information. Like he was genuinely into yep. the conversations, genuinely wanted to know what was going on. And he's that way in real life. That was so, just so cool.
9: Absolutely. And it's, I think, you know, every single person that asked him something or, or spoke about him or stuff would Steve would say like he, generally appreciated being there yeah. and in that moment with the callers as well you know and you know talking about stories I, I know what you mean with the you know precedent of what that person's going to be like you know I'm um I'm lucky enough to, to spend a lot of time with Adam Bailey here in Australia and he's quite close with uh Ricky Carmichael and some of the stories he, he tells me about him and Ricky and you know how that got to be a part of how their friendship as well is he is just a legend of a human being. And, yeah. you know, we got to see this firsthand on Monday night. I, I, uh, I, dude, I became more of a fan of, of Ricky after Monday night. I, I really did, did too.
4: Absolutely. I did too. And Randy, another thing I noticed, like you would see, he'd get really into a story and he was sitting pretty close to Jeremy and he would lean over and his elbow, at least from the camera angle, it looked like he was right almost in Jeremy's lap. So he was so excited talking about these stories. So, yeah, Nick's on point, man. I became a bigger fan of Ricky.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree, and 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 I, I I would say that that the Ricky Carmichael we see now is not the Ricky Carmichael who was the racer.
4: Yeah, um, JT makes
3: that and, pretty and, clear and, later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I heard I heard JT kind of reference that in the Moto sixty show today. Okay. Um. So so, uh, you know, I, I think that Ricky in that timeline when he was a racer, Ricky was more like Jenny like his mom. Mm. I'm more like Jeannie. Yeah. And then, and now I think Ricky's a little more like big Rick. He's a little laid back. And, and respectfully, I think that now, um, w- whether it be the gear guy or the goggle guy or the whoever, whoever helped build that wall between them, that wall no longer exists. Right. Um, and cause th- there's been times when, when I was on flights leaving Supercrosses in the early two thousands, when sitting first class across from Ricky and Alden and 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 Ricky would kind of jab jab at me about, Hey, your guy Travis, you know, your guy K dub. <laughs> and and he, he would kind of jab jab at that. And I'm like, look, I'm just taking care of everyone using Michelin tires, yeah. right? So but there there that, that wall did exist. I'm not sure who built it. I'm not sure who maintained it, but it existed <laughs> in the early two thousands. And and it's it's super cool to see that now that no longer exists and and i agree with you that that camaraderie and that fellowship and that mutual respect that both jeremy and and ricky share with each other is cool we we all benefit from that like we all benefit from 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 seeing that and uh and if you think back to so jeremy's 93 right that that's nearly 30 years ago right so yes it is uh so 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 the past 25 so call it 20 to 30 years ago right Um, those two were, quote, arch enemies, and now they can be comrades or or share their stories, right? So um, the world's changed, their relationships changed, their view on each other's changed, and uh, I would argue that within the past 30 years, they've never had five hours of sitting talking to each other until Monday night on the show 500, yeah.
4: Yeah, probably not even five hours total. No, no, exactly, exactly, Yeah. yeah, yeah,
10: yeah, yeah.
4: Well, speaking of Michelin, you guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires because of this guy right here, Randy Richardson, from the Pulp Mix Show. And I'm happy to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is still possibly a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. And guys, in 1891, right about the time Randy was born, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zinc and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new 20-inch BMX Pilot tires, or any of the road models. So much to choose from. And thanks to Michelin for getting me a little bump in pay this year. I got a little bonus check, Nick, because of Randy. Um, you know, partly that was Steve being generous, but uh it it would not have happened if not for Michelin Bicycle.
9: Absolutely uh we all we all love Randy. Randy's a part of uh, a part of the pulp uh the pulp network I'm going to call it. So uh of course we're going to we're going to we're going to thank Randy. We're not we'll we'll go fifty-fifty. We'll thank Steven, we'll
12: thank
4: Randy. How's that? Well, Steve was Steve didn't have <laughs> to give me the bonus. He got a little bit of a bonus and he gave it all to me. Uh, so yeah, thanks. I mean, Michelin did it and Steve was nice enough to pass along for anybody that thinks that Steve's just a asshole to me or beats me down. I keep telling you guys, he does a lot of nice stuff behind the scenes. He may not want you to know about it. Or if he does, if you do know about it, he wants the credit for it. That's for damn sure.
3: <laughs> See Steve, Steve, Steve's Steve's, uh, Steve's jerkness and his niceness is as polar opposite as, uh, mine and nick's uh accent so uh let's just leave <laughs> yeah. it <with> as that right <laughs> absolutely
4: all right so a minute ago randy you were talking about like jt and and like the the way maybe the they weren't quite so buddy buddy there wasn't there was there was more tension there back in in the race days there was a different race face on we'll listen to a little bit of what they had to say about that
7: well, I forget about fans. There was a lot of times that I didn't like Ricky, and I'm pretty damn sure he didn't like me either. But I didn't have no problem well, with you. Well, there, there were extenuating circumstances. Like I was all like I real just, aggressive tweets. I happened to
5: be, yeah. And it wasn't on purpose. Remember when he went after you on a Twitter? There.
6: I oh, mean, yes. oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> he. I, I mean, I have nice. a spotter. A lot of coffee. I should. I. I had I have a spotter. I should know yeah. better, yeah, like, <laughs> dude. I never talked to the spotters. Like
7: <laughs> the spotters, I, like fans, angry. JT. So. But okay, yeah. it always just so happened that I ended up being riding and practice partners with guys that would battle with him, right? And <laughs> yeah. so you're either on that team or you're off. And back yeah. then, it was like you're yeah. either on this guy's side yeah. or you're on that guy's side. And it was like poor, war. Poor it's, Beaks. It yeah. was war Caught in on the, the weekends. Middle. You know? So I was like... Dude, can you imagine his? <laughs> but I was friends with Timmy, right? And yeah. I was friends with Tortelli. Then I was friends with Reed. And I
5: was like, can I just find somebody that... Ricky doesn't hate that they... <laughs> yeah, like, no, <laughs> because he didn't like many, many people when he raised. Well, no, no but no, I like
4: every time. No, th- like, that's S- that's S-
5: what you guys think, but I didn't. I
4: just really? didn't
7: talk to everybody. Yeah. 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 But, like, I mean, that, there like, was... It was... It's tense. Like, there's millions of dollars on the line. I mean, like, it I mean, wasn't
6: like you guys were coming up to me and wanting to say, hey, man, no, no, no. you guys want to hang out? I don't know. So, all. like, it's just me? I mean, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't.
7: It was It was both, Once, it's uh, both sides. But in, Absolutely. in
5: Jeremy's day, like, him and Fro didn't always get along. But then, as Danny Stevenson has told us many times on these shows, you guys would still be all a Club Rubber. Fro would still be there with you. Even yeah. though you guys weren't yeah, really yeah, getting yeah. along. Yeah. Like, we're I wasn't sitting around we, with Chad. We, we.
7: Sorry. I wasn't sitting around with Chad and Chad
4: going. You know, Ricky's a pretty cool guy. We should hang with him more. <laughs> yeah. That's not how the conversations
5: were going. Yeah. Uh
4: I know we kind of already touched on this topic a little bit just, you know, in some of the other audio we've talked about, but I love I love that J uh Ricky is like, hey man, you guys had come talk to me. And and JT throws in there, yeah, we weren't really talking Reed wasn't saying, Oh, we should go talk to him, he's cool. And if you guys listen to the stuff later, JT actually had some thoughts that uh, you know, Kind of not just I don't want to say contradicted. Basically, he gets into the fact that eh, Ricky might have been full of shit with what he said there about like, oh, I didn't have any problems with you. So you guys listen to that in a little bit. Um, I thought that was funny though. I want to kind of run through some stuff pretty quick because I know you guys have to go pretty soon. Uh, but let's touch on this first. Let's let's, uh, let's see if anybody if anybody was surprised by this audio. I can tell you, in '96, I didn't <laughs> touch one
0: clicker. Like my bike really? was perfect. Why would I ever change it? it like,
6: not well, like it skips come on. In <laughs> later. you had skips to. Skim coming in later. Skim it in later. Yeah, yeah I think he's forgotten. <laughs> no. I, he's no. Forgotten, hey, I am old, but we're <laughs> not going to Not
0: one firmness. click. Not one click. Even when I rode Yamaha's, like, when it was set up good, I was like, this so is figure, I'll figure, figure to, the rest out. You go to Anaheim. Just like you said.
7: And it's really rock hard. And then you yep. go to Indy, and it's just a. Uh, really? A line of ruts everywhere. You'd run the same everything. Same.
0: I mean, there was definitely some nights it didn't handle well, but you, um, you figure out how to ride it. If you
7: would have clicked it, it like might
0: a th- couple <laughs> clicks, it you would have been a funner ride. Yeah, it might have been a
6: better
5: ride. Mike nice. Hey, maybe, exactly. maybe that old one wow. title, <laughs> those clickers are for something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that old one title would have been different. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's a good
8: chance these two might learn a lot about each other tonight that they didn't know. Because I think Ricky's a little shocked right now at that. We're early, but there's a lot of learning going to happen I mean, I'm
6: just trying to think of all those races, not one. One clicker
0: turn. I mean, look, all right, if we're going to go that route, maybe it's a couple clicks. <laughs> okay, well,
6: I <laughs> mean, that's, right. well, but, I mean, but, a couple clicks uh, could be one or my second. Point,
0: my point to the story is <laughs> I know. I didn't yes. touch my bike. Once you know, it was good, I'm like, it's close. Yeah, and a lot of nights it was perfect. A lot of nights I probably could have tuned the clickers a little bit. Right. So I so like, just,
7: changes wise, Chad Reed was one of the worst I've ever been around. Nick yeah. Way up there as yeah. well. Yeah. But Chad, <laughs> speaking of clickers, didn't think that clickers did enough. He would only go internal changes. It was shim changes, spring. Take, like, take it apart. Take it apart. Dude. Change it that way. Oh, he was wild. like the clicker. But we've heard stories about, about that. Yeah. Oh, I watched yeah. it firsthand. Yeah. And Oscar was a suspension guy. Now you know Adam Cinturillo is crew chief, and he was just like, "Someone just kill me, please kill me."
6: <laughs> so, One time, my dad was uh, was my dad was uh, Dungey's practice bike mechanic, and Dungey wanted a clicker changed right during during practice, and. Between motos, he didn't—Dunge's he, he, like, hey, can you, you change this? They go out. Dunge finishes his second moto. He's like, man, the, that bike works so much better. My dad's like, man, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this because I'm not doing my job. I'd be doing my job a disservice, but I forgot to change it. <laughs> and it ruined Dunge. He's like, what? No, there's, there's no way. He's like, seriously? Oh, you really didn't? And you could just yeah. see
4: the wheels turning. He's like— <laughs> Nick, I, 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 those are great stories. Stuff again we're hearing exclusively on Pulp Mix. But what I want to ask you is, like, are you even a little bit surprised that McGrath and Skip Norfolk came in and kind of confirmed this—that like McGrath didn't really touch his clickers any? Because I'm not surprised. Like, oh, go ahead i yeah,
9: I'm going to go. I am surprised. Okay. You know, he, you know, he, he comes in a little bit later and says, Oh, we might've changed one or two. And then Ricky's like, see, yeah." um, I think it was funny that, you know, Ricky was that surprised that they didn't change, change the fence. And then he's you know, or change clickers and he's thinking, wow, I can imagine if you did and how much different it might look. Right. Um, which it, it's crazy. So, you know, Talking about the Chad Reed thing as well. I think that's pretty funny because obviously the, the Chad story and, and JT obviously knows that story firsthand as well. But um, that Dungey story, that one, uh, that one's going to stay with me for quite a while. That yeah, was, that was pretty
12: funny. Was... I, I
9: did enjoy that.
10: Very, and, very you know, good. To, talking, oh, go
9: talk, oh, sorry, talking Daniel Blair as well. DB stayed pretty quiet all night, which I think he knows that okay i'm just sitting here and i'm going to listen to this as well but every time he you know he did input it was something funny it was something good i think daniel did a really good job of you know of being there next to those guys all night as well
4: definitely uh randy the reason i said i'm not that surprised that he probably didn't touch his clickers or very little is like i just feel like at that time jeremy was so much better and so much more confident like they always talk about Jeremy would come to the line and the other guys would know they already lost. Like Jeremy was probably just like, yeah, we don't need to do anything. I'm good. You right? I mean, that's why I feel that way.
3: Yeah, and 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 not only that, but um unless I'm horribly mistaken, he wrote a 93 CR250 frame, yep. 94, 5 and 6, yes. right? So the yes. whole, the whole issue was the arrival of their aluminum frame. Uh, they couldn't hide that with plastic. Right. Um, so, so, so his dominance was built on a platform that obviously was very successful for him throughout his career in 93, four, five, and six. Um, so yeah. And, and, and honestly, this may go against, uh, a lot of people may not like this just like they didn't like a uh, hashtag, uh, PG 13, but, um, but now I think the culture then is, um, Accountability and responsibility versus blaming someone else. And I think that that back in the day, and certainly in Jeremy's era, um, you, you took a responsibility and accountability for the settings you chose and if you had a bad night, you you took it you took accountability for I didn't ride well or I struggled or what have you. Whereas nowadays uh, not only in Supercross and Motocross, but it's oftentimes the fingers pointed somewhere else and say, "Well, my setup was off. Yeah. Well, w- was it your setup off, or you just didn't ride well?" And and uh, you know, it's easy to point fingers at someone else now culturally. You know, in society, it's it's easier easy to point fingers at someone else. But um, but yeah, I I think I think Jeremy had a, a, an amazing base setting. I think it worked well for his. Um, generational style of riding, Mm -hmm. which, which changed the sport moving forward, right? Which, which changed the sport moving forward. And he was able to ride that wave for a few years before anyone even came close to catching up with him.
4: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Those are all good points as always, Randy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also want to bring it. So with this talking about McGrath settings and clickers, Ricky had an opinion on chase Sexton when they're talking about the unpredictable bike issues that he's having and he was like, yeah, he wouldn't have any. He's like, you just got to adjust the way you ride. And I thought that was pretty interesting, Randy, because like, you know, normally we kind of feel like Ricky doesn't really push any buttons like that. Like, he won't say stuff like that. But he was kind of like, hey, man, mm-hmm. like, that was – I kind of – I wanted to ask Chase. I almost did because he was on the other show that we're not allowed to talk about so much on Tuesday night. The Pony night.
3: Pod. The Pony Pod. The Pony well, Pod. I love it.
4: Yeah, but no, love, you know what? No, the problem trail. with that, Randy, is I get messages all the time. I can't find the Pony Pod. On my podcast app. We gotta
10: stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, well hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So now I'm calling it moving forward the ponyless pod. So it's okay. the ponyless pod. Okay. Great. So now everyone, they'll be searching that. Search, yeah, search for the ponyless pod. And if you can't freaking find Dark Side, the Motor X pod show, then you've got other issues in life.
4: <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I but anyway, I wanted to ask Chase that Tuesday night and I decided because the the interview went long, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay away from that. So I just left it alone, but I was curious like like I don't know. Just, I mean that's that's pretty heavy. He's like, "Well, hey, doesn't matter what the bike issues are basically. You got to adjust your riding style." That was pretty bold on Ricky's part. Uh Randy. Uh,
3: bold, yes, but 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 <laughs> Not, how can you argue with that yeah, guy? No, he, I can't. Because 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 arguably he had it in historically. He's had a horrible bike setup. Yeah,
4: yeah, horrible exactly. Bike setup right.
3: Like I had, had to take the, the handlebars the handlebar.
4: off to get the gas cap off.
10: Exactly. Jersey. I
3: love that quote. <laughs> I love, love, love that quote. That was you know great. I mean? And 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 that 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 had more that had more sag in it than some of the women I see at uh, bike week. But anyway, but. But um <laughs> but the bike setup was horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> you like that dude. Yeah. I'm trying anyway, to catch my breath. Um, Nick's laughing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we need a big inhale from Nick. We need a big inhale from Nick. But but the, <laughs> the point is is you you those the technicians are are steering the bike in the direction to make the rider happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Typically, yeah. typically Typically, in my experience, my experience working with tires and tires only is, all right, I want to make the rider happy. I want to make the rider happy with um, predictability, with comfort, with performance, with um, with his overall performance. Right. So so I'm steering it based on their feedback. So if you as a rider paint yourself in a corner that you're not comfortable with, you, you put yourself there. Right. So um, and so. So I think that that's. That's for all riders, not only you know Chase or others, but uh, you know the, the technicians who are paid a significant amount of money to make you happy, who've made an exponentially higher amount of money, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that that that's that's where you end up, I think.
10: Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. Um, again, great points, Nick. Well, actually, first, I, there's something I meant to do during the Michelin read, and I want to commend Randy again because Monday night. With McGrath being in there, there was a Maxima contest, and Steve said, "Hey, you know, J- Randy is was okay with this, and I fi- I think it's really great how some of these sponsors are. Race Tech's been the same way with us, mm-hmm. where like Randy, you I think you understand. Like there are there are other people that sponsor yeah. other pulp shows, and like you're not going, no, you can't mention them. You know, you're yeah. you have an understanding, and from a business standpoint." I don't know how that would be looked at from the the marketing department but as a fan it, it, I have a lot of respect for it even if I didn't know you I'd be like that's pretty damn cool.
3: Yeah and 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 not to correct you but you okay. mentioned Maxima but you mentioned Maxima but no 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 worries but but to your point um Steve actually reached out to me some time ago and 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 said hey here's what I'm looking at doing for um, show 500. I'm thinking I have an RC and MC in studio and and one of the the, the, the contingent you know, components of having Jeremy in Studio is it'll tie into his, uh, his relationship with Maxis and development of their products. And he said, I want to make sure you're okay with that because it, you know this platform is a Michelin motorcycle tires platform, whereas uh, the flight 360 show and our Fly, Fly 60 show and the recap and other ones Maxis is heavily involved in. And and I'm like, dude, th- thank you to reach out to me and ask that. There's no way that I would stand in way of um myself and other fans of Pulp and X from getting to hear this conversation. And and that's and that's long before I knew what, what the content of the conversation would, would be, right? So yeah. um I'm 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 a firm, firm believer that there are things in life that are far, far, far more important than this brand of tire versus that brand of tire or this brand of goggle versus that brand of goggle and so on. So, uh, yeah, so certainly I, I gave Steve the green light, like, absolutely. Let's get the King in studio with, with the goat. And I look forward to hearing the content.
4: Yeah. Well, again, I want to commend you for it. Cause it, you, you could have probably been like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And that would have put Steve in a weird position and who knows how it would have yeah, been, but, but it's cool. Yeah.
3: But yeah, but the, the, the fine print of our contractual agreement is, is far surpassed by, um, just common sense. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and we need we need more of that in the world today. So, so yeah, you. I'm glad to be glad to be a part of glad to be a part of um, contributing to the amazing conversation that we all sat in on Monday
4: night. Absolutely, Nick. What I want to ask you is, I, I just put in my notes drops, and the reason I put that in, Ricky and McGrath, Ricky Carmichael, Jeremy McGrath don't listen to Pulp Mix. Most of, if not all of those drops were new to them. And you could see, like, Ricky absolutely cracked up when they played the I Am A Shitty Media guy drop. And throughout the night, they were just laughing when these things would be playing. They had no context. They don't know where they come from. But McGrath, it just shows how great the drops are and how good Steve's using, doing those and Marks is doing a bunch of those. But just the drops were on point And I loved seeing these two superstars hearing these drops for the first time. And just, I, I, like, it was, made me laugh harder watching them laugh.
9: Absolutely. I agree with, you know, there as well. And, you know, I want to commend you as well. You know, one of those questions you had for Ricky, I think was a great question as well, which I was legitimately uh, interested in hearing the answer to. But I, you know, I think as well, I can see this happening again. Can you? Can, can you, Randy? I can, uh, you know, I can see both these guys doing this again. I, I think they enjoyed it more than they thought they were going to as well.
3: Yeah, I, I I certainly can. Uh, I'm trying to do in my math the math in my head, and ironically, I think 150 plus 72 is 222. Um, but but so so but I I don't know when the next show, you know, the next iconic show, but maybe show 600 or what have you. Um, you know, I know Steve has done an amazing job of some long form uh, articles with Racer X Illustrated. Um, I, I I think a uh, what, what I would love to see, what I would love to see and, and, and this, um, maybe they've already done that one, but the re-raceables, which is again, supported by Maxis, um, the re-raceables, I would love to see a re-raceable where Steve talked with Jeremy and Ricky about a pivotal race in their, mm. uh, their career. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Absolutely love to see that. That'd be yep.
10: great. Yep. Uh,
4: okay. I'm going to run through some things just kind of very quickly some things that, that I had highlights on, but because we're running out of time with, with Nick and you and, and you too, Randy, I'm going to hit a couple. I'm just going to mention a few things that I thought were cool and you guys can go back and kind of touch on them if you want before we get to any big topics. But uh, early on in the show, Steve brought up Summercross and the, the trophy and 2003 Budge Creek Moto 1. He had to get a little bit of credit for getting some wins against those two guys. That conversation was great. I'm sure anybody listening to this wrap-up show has already listened to the show. But those are some highlights that I thought was great. Uh, McGrath's memory, crashing while trying to jump the little finger. And he was in Havasu mood. That was all fun content. Um, the fact that McGrath can't imagine racing Barsha, I thought was pretty funny. Again, just burning <laughs> through some hot topics that I thought were interesting. Uh, the Cooper Webb discussion, how this might be the worst title defense ever. That was an interesting conversation. Peak Eli versus Peak Webb. That'd be fun to see, obviously not going to ever happen, but be fun to see. There was a little bit of Kenny talk that I found interesting. Um, just, yeah, it's a couple of things I want to throw out real quick. Uh, Nick, just real quick, was any of that stuff, like, did any of those quick topics stand out to you where you want to say anything about them?
9: I just think it's great to know, you know, the, um, their thoughts on a situation like Mm -hmm. this as well. You know, Ricky has a lot to do with it. Um, the other you know with what what he does with NBC and stuff like that as well as Daniel Blair so it's great to know you know their thoughts and how respectful they are um I thought it was very very weird the uh the the story about someone seeing Kenny throwing up on the side of the road in Germany yep
4: I have that in my notes too did anyone
9: else did anyone else find that weird
4: (laughs) uh no I think I had heard that that he was he I think I'd heard that somewhere else it is weird yes everything going on with Kenny seems to be weird as they said McGrath said super confusing and RC said frustrating. So, yeah, it's it, everything going on with Kenny is weird. So, like, I'm almost not surprised. Yeah,
9: yeah. that's – um. do do, we, do do you think we're going to see him back from Motocross?
4: I didn't, but I think it was Steve that said, like, 99% he's going to be in outdoors. And Steve's not wrong that often with that kind of inside information. So, uh, I was leaning towards no, we will not see him back in 22 on a Honda. Uh, I, th- I didn't think he'd be back, but – I I can't really argue against Steve's insider information. Yeah, absolutely, Randy. Any of those topics kind of stand out to you?
3: What what what? Yeah, the the, the one thing that stood out to me is um, Jeremy's vivid memory of the specific part of the track yes. where he crashed in Summercross, which arguably, with the exception of Steve's. You know, fictional memory of the <laughs> importance of Summercross, right? Uh, which, which I, 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 I'll put that Summercross championship right up there with four Manitoba titles, right? Yeah. So, oh, of course. Uh, exactly. Exactly. That's and, and which, which parallels me being the fastest man in Piedmont. But anyway, um, so, so in all honesty, that was pretty cool. That Jeremy, um, he there's probably. Out of his seventy-two Supercross wins, there's probably twenty that he doesn't remember. Yeah, but he, but but he vividly remembers that one error, that one mistake, that one little finger, that little roll in the the landing area, that clipped the foot peg that high-sided him and prevented him from winning. That trophy, trophy that he said that, he wants. A, a trophy that he wants, but effectively doesn't matter. Yeah, iconic right. Career, right? So, Absolutely. So that was super, super cool, right? And and as we all look back on our lives, we can find more um, clarity in our faults or shortcomings than we can our successes. But but that was that was pretty insightful for Jeremy. And for him just to, to uh, transparently share that with people I thought was super cool. That speaks again to the humble nature that that uh, that, that he is. So –
4: Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about Seal Savers. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter code PULP25 for 25% off at SealSavers.com. I always mention I hate working on, I don't even have the tools to replace fork seals. I don't like working <laughs> on them, so Seal Savers protects that, keeps those things clean, and you generally will not blow out a fork seal. So, yeah, use them, guys. Um, all right, let's see here. McGrath going, I'm looking at my notes, and I even wrote Maxima for the contest. I even wrote it wrong. Wow.
3: That's okay, buddy. I mean it's okay. okay. But it's, you're, you're, you're still gonna get that you're still gonna get that fat bonus that uh that Michelin passed yeah. through Steve to you, so you're
10: good. You're
4: Ooh, good. And Nick, did you know I okay, I'm going to uh the high <laughs> Dez the weekend after Salt Lake City to ride my YZ two fifty, which has fresh mounted Starcross sixes on it. Thanks to Randy. Oh Ooh, I'm jealous, dude. I'm jealous. And, Why didn't you come? And, and, Go ahead, Nick.
3: Go
9: ahead. Sorry,
3: Nick, Randy. Yeah. Sorry, Randy. You're all right. One of you go. No, no, go ahead, Nick. Go, Nick. Go. Go. Um, it's, already, it's, already to... it's, it's already Friday week.
4: It's already Friday week. So it's Thursday night. To... Here, go. Holy
9: shit. See, why couldn't you go to the, the high dead when we finish Salt Lake? Uh,
4: well, well, because we'll be in Salt Lake on Saturday. And I, I got to go. I will be out on a Friday and Saturday so we can ride.
9: Yeah. Uh, I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's, Kiefer keeps saying full factory because Randy personally mounted the tires, came and got the wheels, mounted the tires. Uh Race Tech is coming out to do some suspension testing. Well, you know what? I think that's actually changed. He wants me to ride it stock first. Then Race Tech's going to do the suspension. Um <laughs>
3: and then they'll adjust it to your weight and or speed.
4: Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I think right. I think Kiefer's going to be very uh highly disappointed in that last one, the speed. Uh, he said, he said, you better, uh, he said, you're gonna be so tired after we're done. I was like, I'm so tired and I haven't even got there yet. What are you talking about? (laughs) But it's going to be a good time. And I can't wait to rip those star cross sixes for like a lap and a half before I get tired.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that, that's just, uh. Uh, the timing was perfect yeah. after I had taken the, uh, the pony heirloom, it's not an heirloom, but it's a heirloom. heirloom and, and I had taken it out on the town in Vegas and we, that was hilarious was by the way, the pony, the pony and I had an amazing time, right? We had a great time out in Vegas. Um, and then, so Isabel I just dropped it off at Kiefer's house, picked up the wheels, took them down to the Michelin star six press launch and, uh, set up some, uh, some tires for you. So that's perfect. And, Love it. and yeah, so – and then following up to Jason from GrowYourAssOff.com, yes. uh, he challenged me. I think he kind of threw down the gauntlet. Hey, I'm going to cover your flights out there, right? Didn't which he, he do did.
10: That? Yep. They, he and, paid and, for the
3: flights. Grow your ass he off. He paid for the flights, and then he challenged me to, hey, Randy, if you want to step up for the upgrade, <laughs> um, which I, I – because I listen to your podcast. I certainly would have done that. However. you. Uh, you're flying Southwest. So the only upgrade <laughs> really, the only upgrade is to get you on a Delta flight. So, um, you know what I mean? So I could use yeah. the Miles to do that, but, but, uh, yeah. that, that, you, you can't cross reference those two. So anyway, right. so thank you to Jason from grill your ass off to get you out there. And, uh, I honestly, I wish I could be there and ride with you and, uh, and hang out with you and Kiefer. It's going to be cool. And uh, I, and I, I truly, truly appreciate Steve uh, and Chris for, for, for giving you this cool opportunity to have a uh, significant upgrade in the bike. And, uh, I think it goes as much as they bust your chops that, that shows how much their, um, care and compassion is for you as a person. Yeah. And wanting you to continue to enjoy moto. Yep.
4: Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people think maybe they got the bike for free and that's not the case. Those guys paid for the bike. No, they
9: bought it. No, yes. they bought it.
3: Yes.
4: They paid for the bike between the two of them. Um, yeah, so it's it's unreal. I'm very appreciative of all those guys and yourself and grill your ass off and Race Tech checkers at Race Tech and uh, everybody that's helping out. It's it's unreal. Um, let's try to get back to the wrap up for just a few more minutes before we gotta let Nick go. Uh, McGrath going to Pro Circuit. Uh, the story we've all heard the story about him thinking that it was Factory Honda. Rick Johnson calls him, finds out it's Pro Circuit. That was a great story. If you guys haven't, don't remember that story, go check it back out. But what I wanna talk about is this right here.
5: If I'm Cameron McAdoo or Seth Hamaker, I know that you know your time is is, is doesn't overlap with theirs, you know sure. what I, mean? I get all that. Yeah, yeah. I am just I am calling you, I am texting yeah. you, I am right? just trying to be like can exactly. you help me start starts. You were an amazing starter. Can you help yeah. me with starts? Show me what you got. Exactly, uh, I would yeah. be leaning on you nonstop if I was. 100%. Not, you know, hey, 100%. Yeah, let me yeah, tell you yeah. something.
0: For a couple of years, I was waiting by the phone for Eli to call me about yeah. starts. Yeah, I know. You <laughs> know what I mean. <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah, never rang, huh?
0: It never rang. Yeah, never no, rang. I,
5: I think it's an invaluable resource.
0: Those guys. I, look, I, more, I yeah. love that part of it. I, I am not a writer coach. Yep, yeah. that's not me. I, but I'm ex exci- I'm, I will help in any way I can, and of course, if that means going to the track and coaching for a day, cool. Yeah, I'm just not a rider coach. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. We we have a lot of experience that we can yep. share with the younger guys. Yep. And uh, you know, I know it's you know, I know that these guys are, they're the best in the world. They hate to ask for help. Yeah. You know, I, I so it's a little that,
5: weird, probably, for them. So yeah. I understand that too. I but I am him, enjoying it. I asked one of the guys when you were at RCH with yeah. with Kerry. I was like, Hey, is Ricky like helping those guys? Like, how much is he? They're like, Nope. And yeah. I'm like. What do you like? You weren't fresh. You, it was that wasn't that long ago that you were racing, and I, they're like, no, they don't, they don't ask. And I'm like, he doesn't want to? No, he will. Yeah, I, I mean, ask. if they ask, I'm on board. Like, I'm yeah, not gonna ask. Thing.
6: I'm not gonna walk right, up to someone and be like, hey, man, can I help hey, you? I'm Carmichael,
5: if you want? want some help? Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's. I, I just found it. I was like, really? Like, why wouldn't they? You uh,
8: boys are gonna get some calls next week.
5: Yeah, exactly right.
10: <laughs> Randy,
4: I found this interesting because I, I try to put myself in the position of, like you said, Cameron McAdoo or any of these guys, and I feel like I would use every resource at my disposal, and talking to the greatest of all time or the king of Supercross, even though their era was quite different, maybe you just talk about the pressures or the travel, or, like, you could take so much information from those guys. Why do you think it's not happening? Why, is, why are the phones not ringing?
3: Uh, f- for me, I think that, that that in many many ways, um, every strength that we have can also be a weakness, right? So, I think that the the ego or the the confidence in oneself, which which helped them get to where they are, could could also prohibit them from getting to where they could be, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, you have to kind of humble yourself to ask for help. And I'm kind of an independent person, and I'd rather kind of many times i've failed on my own rather than asking for help and succeeding with the support of others um okay so yeah if you think about it because it's not motocross generally speaking like you you know how much i love team sports right but anyway (laughs) um no but but motocross is a very individual sport right so when the gate drops it's you and the motorcycle right so so it's a very individual as opposed to um, alignment in football or someone else in soccer or, yeah. or other things, right? You rely on, you rely on teammates. So I think that the sport itself, um, it, it fuels independence and it fuels uh, individual ego and, and it kind of prohibits that reaching out to others for support. Um, and it could be that, that, again, that ego and that sense of self, that self-confidence is help what them help, help get them to where they are mm-hmm. But that same that same strength might be a weakness to help prevent them from getting further, right?
10: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
3: yeah. I think you know. Maybe yeah, yeah,
4: definitely. Off. I see. You. I, I mean, your point is well taken. Uh, but Nick, I just wouldn't you use every resource you had. Like, I mean, I, okay, team sports, musician, actor. Let's just take t- take people in entertainment, basically at highest levels. Like, if you're an actor and you're working with jack nicholson like you're not going to you're still going to be like hey man what about this or if you're you know in the nfl you're you're you could be tom brady he's the greatest quarterback alive probably of all time but like he would probably ask joe montana some advice or some thoughts mm-hmm. you know like you would take that and absorb it and maybe use it maybe you don't but like to not use it seems insane to me like i'm I'm mad at cameron mcadoo and those guys pick up the phone
10: damn it
9: yeah I- yeah, I, I agree with you as well. You know, I, I think about when he talks about Eli Tomac, mm-hmm. I just can't believe that monster energy Kawasaki didn't say, Hey, uh could you just come out to the track while Eli does some starts and, you know, just stand there and watch or something or, or offer anything, you know? I, I sort of thought like that team would have been doing absolutely everything as well to us, you know, to better Eli with his starts and then obviously I have the same with you. Like if I'm Cameron McAdoo I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm surrounding myself in that and I think that could only lead to good things. So uh, that's, that was interesting to hear. And, you know, I, I think he thought the same thing. That it's like, okay, that no one's calling. It's, uh, yeah, I, I sort of feel the same as you, but at the same time, I understand Randy's uh, his thoughts as well.
4: Yeah, definitely. All right, one more thing I want to touch on before we let Nick go is the discussion of the 2000 season. Uh, and just Ricky kind of talking about not having fun or, you know, the fact that he wasn't the fun guy.
6: Remember I'm the guy that made racing no fun. No one thinks that I had a, a good time. Like I no, am in, in that camp. I'm in that Are you so 2001? Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Um, it, we had four drink minimum every Sunday night oh. at our local watering hole in Tallahassee. Um, yeah, so wow, I mean we we're we we're enjoying our. So that's the minimum. You yeah, know what I mean? Good, but, like, yeah. I just didn't, yeah. I didn't put it in everyone's face, dude. Right, right. I, have, I have a good time. There's no time. Steel Roots. Anyone like who
0: goes, knows oh, my so dad. You were watching Steel Roots going, <laughs> oh, you <laughs> know what? I'm going to do done. some of that. I mean, I've had yeah. some
6: other times, like 98, and I'm like, man, I, I probably shouldn't be doing this and... <laughs> <laughs> walk into some place i'm like well pff, this guy's here this guy's. i'm yeah. good man <laughs> you're
5: like there's number one in points two in <laughs> points three in <laughs> points i guess Four, i can do five, it six, run, seven, run, eight, run, nine that was, yet. yeah that
0: was when we were all friends and hanging out yeah
5: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but at the right. end of the
6: day listen you know you can go out and have a good time but you better answer the bell in the morning actually yeah that's uh, exactly you right. know and then when you can't answer the bell in the morning <laughs> right then you better reevaluate well, what's and, going on
4: and, uh okay nick so i'm gonna go to you first here in a second um that somewhat shatters, like what my view of him was. Like, as a racer at the track, I still hold true to what I believe. Like he, you know, kind of was a little bit cocky. Uh, probably not a lot of fun to be around. But he sounds like off the off the track. He was trying to be, you know, a little lighter than we realized. So I want you to touch on that. But I also want you to touch on before you go, the, the discussion of the two thousand season. Uh, where Ricky one day Daytona. He's like, yeah, that didn't really count because it's not a real supercross. and leading into the second Anaheim and San Diego where McGrath's like, that's the night that I knew I wasn't going to be winning anymore. That, I know that's two separate topics, but before you go, just touch on those things and we'll let you go.
9: Oh, so yeah. Like the first thing going back with that, I think, you know, the key things I here. There are, he didn't want to put it in anybody's face. So, you know, maybe it looked completely different behind closed doors because obviously he didn't really, you know, ride with too many people and, you know, didn't socialize what he was. I, I sort of agree with you as well with, you know, it might sound a bit different now than it used to or, you know, i was interested to see how JT says it as well. But going back to, you know, his training and stuff like that, dude, the story that JT tells about, you know, like the three 30-minute motos that he doesn't even remember. Like, dude, that's just incredible.
4: Yeah, absolutely. What about the what about the the two thousand era McGrath being like, okay, that was the night I knew it wasn't going to be winning more, and like him having to, he didn't really get into it, but like him having to mentally know things have shifted.
9: That's that's exactly right, you know. And like you said, that's a that's something we would have never known. Can you just imagine, like, you know, like Randy was saying with re-raceable? Can you just imagine if you know? Steve sat Ricky and, and Jeremy down and went through like a complete season, the type of shit that we would find out and we'd hear from this, mm-hmm. It would just, it would be incredible. I just, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know it. you know. I think after listening to this as well, I want to go back and, and watch those seasons yeah, me that too. We can on yep. TV. Like I'm only, so I was born in 93. So I was a bit young to sort of remember Shut a lot up. of it. And it. It's probably one of my <laughs> interests to go back and, go back and watch this because it's truly incredible those eras and you know it feels like only recently we're learning more and more about that era that we can go back and watch and go okay that answers this question or this answers that question you know what I mean
4: absolutely all right before I get to Randy's thoughts Nick I know you got to go it's uh you probably have to go to work because it's you're on the other side of the world um sorry about changing the schedule on you to tonight and thank you so much for uh always finding time though to jump on these things with me
9: absolutely guys it's been awesome awesome to meet you randy and uh i'll see you guys in a couple weeks can't wait to be back over there
4: sounds good nick thank you man love you brother
9: awesome love you bro. bye bye Yep.
4: later nick all right thanks to nick for coming on uh i always like that guy when he comes on i'm a little bit jealous good dude yeah. yeah i'm a little good jealous dude. that he's going back out to Steve's studios uh after salt lake city but good for him man he's really they're they're kicking butt over there in australia okay randy back to you man just on those topics like, were you surprised one that he was like talking about going out a little bit, and and not maybe not so surprised that he kept it to himself, but then also just the McGrath in two thousand era stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me that was a little bit surprising. Like what 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 I um I've never been in Ricky's inner circle. Yeah, but I've sat you know I've sat across the aisle from him countless flights right on Delta. Um, <laughs> not, no so, Southwest so, for, for Ricky. No, not Southwest. That was that was first class back when they gave you an option of steak, chicken, or fish. Wow. And they had a little dessert cart, and I would have Coca Colas, and Alden would hey. not let Ricky have any of that junk. But anyway, no French fries. Um,
4: oh, that was no, that was, no, no that was Mitch. That was Mitch. No,
3: no, smelling no, his fingers. Yeah, no, 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 Mitch. And, and 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 Ricky would always look over at me and go, "I would have a Coke at like six in the morning out of Anaheim," and Ricky would go, "Ah." That Coke, it, it burns your throat first thing in the morning. I'm like, yes, it does. So he good. Was so envious of the fact that I was having a soft drink and he couldn't. Yeah. Um But but um, but yeah. Look, looking back, um, it, it, it's, it's just different era, right? Um, sure. Yeah. But uh, but but there weren't as many things. Oh, what I was going to say was, it's yes, that's surprising to me to hear Ricky talk about um, that, or maybe to let a little bit of that information out there, but like to nowadays with social media you can choose not to expose everything to your life um or the whole world to your life or you can um everyone knows everything effectively right yeah, um yeah so it it was it was it was um it was easier to keep things quiet it was easier to um the rumor mill was just that it was the rumor mill it wasn't a a photo that's worth a thousand words, right? So Very true. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but but I never knew that I never knew that about Ricky. Like Tim talk referencing a a a quote four drink minimum. Because <laughs> when he said that I thought, well, maybe didn't he did he not mean a four drink maximum? Yeah, me too. But he said a four drink minimum. <laughs> yeah. And then and obviously I'm super good buddies with Mike Brown, with Brownie, and he shared with me before how they have, I think it was Tuesday night, they would have what they call family night. So Ricky and his parents and the family, they would have like a, they like watch a movie or movie night or family night, like on Tuesday night. So, so very, very, um, very centered uh, and very humble. But that's the first I'd ever heard of the drink minimum um, or four drink minimum for sure.
4: Yeah, same thing, man. All thanks to Pulp and Max, or Otherwise we would not hear this. Uh- yeah, which, which which
3: I've said many 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 times is like I grew up reading, um, cycle news and and later on you know motocross action dirt rider and so on. But when you read a quote from a racer or someone within the industry, you 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 read that uh, quote with some form of you know perception or understanding of what they're saying. But you do not hear the the emotional uh, investment, the tone, the inflection um the thoughts behind it you, you just don't hear that so pulp mix show obviously has has changed our industry and we get to hear uh the true feelings of riders or uh, industry personnel as they share their thoughts on stories either past or
4: present well said those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs know motorsport is the best place for oem and aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too whether you race on the track ride on the trails or commute on the street make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com all right let's talk a couple other topics uh we're gonna like i keep saying this we're gonna get through these pretty quick so we can let randy go he's got he's got travels to do headed to atlanta um i'm just ready to go to bed oh okay yeah, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I'm actually looking forward to doing that myself. This yeah. has been again. Like Nick had
3: Nick had to go to work. It's Friday in Australia, <laughs> and then and it's Thursday night late where you and I are. Yeah, we really to go to bed. Yeah,
4: yeah. It's it's been a long week. I I don't know if I said it while we were recording or not with all the storms at the yeah. beginning of the week. I think Tuesday night. I was out till like 2 or 3 a.m. picking up wow. trees. And then I set my alarm for 4 to get up and start prepping for the wrap-up show. I had to go up to work to get some electricity. Mm. And thank God we were able to push it back a day because it just, yeah, it's, it's been a rough week. But uh, quickly, the discussion on the poster was fantastic. Ricky Carmichael talking about Ezra Luss being bummed that he'd let him by at a race and would... And that, you know, he said, Hey, I'm not gonna race like that. I'm not gonna race like a jerk if I can't go to the distance. These are all just things that stood out to me. Uh Chris Betts calling in and giving Steve the bat, the the personalized bat. Love you, Chris Betts, man. That was fantastic. Really, really mm-hmm. special to Steve, I know. Uh Betts is a good dude, Brandy.
3: Yeah, he, he's super, super good dude. I haven't had the uh opportunity to meet him in person yet. Um me
4: either. I, I blew that in Glendale yeah. up. <laughs>
3: Well, you you, you probably uh, you probably head nodded and walked by him, but probably. Anyway, uh, <laughs> wow. But, no, but but I, I uh, betch reached out to me a while back and and asking about a buddy of his that's in South Carolina looking to buy side by side. So I hooked him up um, with uh, our local dealer, Foothill Motorsports, and took care of that guy. But I haven't met Betch yet. I look forward to meeting him. I, I certainly do because. Um, to accomplish what he has already within the sport of baseball, which is similar to watching paint dry. And then – but yet he has such a passion for moto. That's awesome. He's a good dude for sure. So his call-in was awesome, yep. I think. Um, And then, honestly, I can't think of anyone more a, a quote, regular caller who is uh, more – more justified to call him the Nash, right? Like I've had the, I've had the the opportunity to meet uh, Dave Nash, uh, his wife and two daughters. And they're an amazing family that, that, that gentleman represents the passion that exists within motorcycles. And uh, so I thought it was super cool that he got through and got to have some conversation, ask some questions. And, you know, he didn't ask for any factory fill stories, which I thought was cool. So he was able to control himself and uh, he added great value to the conversation uh, of show 500
4: i do not disagree i don't think and i could be completely wrong i don't think nash likes me very much i feel like there have been some negative or some things he said like joking maybe he's joking i'm not sure but i like nash i like nash's call so it doesn't matter you know i mean if, if that's the case mm-hmm. and i could be completely wrong um yeah
3: he's, and, and i've had a lot of conversations with uh, with dave nash at the gncc's and and anything in any way shape or form um negative or indifferent regarding you has never come up in any conversation. So, so I, that may be a perception on your part.
4: I feel like there was a voicemail or something one time where he said something, but I could be wrong. But then like one of my buddies was like, yeah, Nashville's a dick to you.
3: But yeah, but but I, I, but again, that goes back to the perception. Yeah, say, yeah, you're well, right. That's some, why I said I could some, be wrong. Some,
4: some, some someone's going to look back on this podcast
3: <laughs> and they're going to comment and say Randy's the coolest guy ever, and someone's going to think I'm a jerk because I said <laughs> PG-13, right? So, <laughs> right? that's true. Um, yeah, you know, every every everyone everyone, regardless of your age, um, if you have a problem with me or anyone else, you have the entire rest
4: of your life to get over it absolutely that's a good way to look yep. at it so yeah I yep, I yep. could be completely wrong I like Nash that's really all I care about and good dude yep. yeah and, yeah
3: and, as are you buddy
4: thank you thank you um McGrath saying they were talking about Havasu boats women and McGrath made the <laughs> comment like ah we kind of tried to make it look bigger than it was I think he was I don't I don't believe that Randy I think there was lots <laughs> of boats lots of women lots of partying and he's playing it down now uh you got any thoughts on that? Um, I've,
3: I've never been, I've never been to Lake Havasu um, Me either, but I want to go, but, but but what I know of from the nineties and, and, and what I was exposed to in the nineties. Um, (laughs) and I fully respect it. I fully, fully respect it. But I would say that right now he's trying to make it seem smaller than it was. Yes.
10: Yes. Thank you.
3: Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's, uh, perspective yep. and we all view, and we all view uh life uh either past or present from where we are in the moment so i respect him completely on that but, sure uh, yeah the 90s dude it was amazing '90s supercross <laughs> '90s supercross and motocross was
4: amazing man i was just like i was in high school so i didn't really get to enjoy that side of it i got to go and watch but i was usually with mom and dad or whatever so yeah but i, I remember reading the stories. so and we got to hear a little bit of it monday night thanks to steve um, mm-hmm. the deal regrets that they talked about, uh, 97 Suzuki didn't want to be stuck with a Honda. That was all kind of, again, stuff, you know, and of course, um, Ricky talking about going to Suzuki. Um, those things were all stories we've heard some about, we've read about them, but hearing it from their mouths, their side of it, the little more detail, like that was fantastic. I,
3: I couldn't agree with you more. And, and it goes back to what I said earlier regarding the the emotion tone and inflection um that that you hear it from the horse's mouth you're not hearing it second third or fourth hand right so so you know being a fan of the sport like i was as shocked as everyone was when when it's like wait 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 97 mcgrath left honda yeah and went to Suzuki. Insane. right um so so that that was amazing and and look to look back on the the clutch issue and the flat at Charlotte 97 which you know I was there and saw him you know get that flat and finish where he finished so without those two problems he could have been the 97 supercross champion uh on the Suzuki of Troy bike uh but but and then to hear Ricky a, a different a full pivot was him saying you know within my career I don't really have any regrets right so um it's it's interesting, two different perspectives on two different uh, uh, career paths.
4: Absolutely, great, great stuff. A um, couple more things, and we're gonna go. Uh, do you have any car rental stories? Because skips two car rental stories, you know, frozen frozen lot at Mall of America, and pulling the e brake in Tampa. Like we we've got to read. I, there's so many legendary, or uh, I guess that legendary, mythical, maybe mythical stories of jumping. Rental cars, destroying rental cars. Uh, J-, J Law, uh, do you have any? Um,
3: personally, yeah, yeah, heck yeah, definitely. Um, and 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 mine are not necessarily when employed by Michelin. Um, That's probably good. So, uh, yeah, because I got to keep my job. Um, <laughs> but. But yeah, rental car stories. I definitely people were you know they treated them like go karts. You know go karts at the local uh, little go kart land place. Um, (laughs) So so for me personally, uh, way back in 1992, I went to Australia for the ISDE uh, to support a rider who's supported by the same bike shop as I was. Anyway, so I went to be his air quotes mechanic. So I went to the ISDE and and I had an accident in the rental car and just bumped someone. Well, I had to pay the deductible whatever. So. I called the, the insurance – I called the rental car company, trying to weasel my way out of having to pay the $500 Australian. And then <laughs> lo and behold, they told me, well, no, we've already charged your credit card, which was $361 US with the exchange rate back in 1992. Awesome. But, and, and again, I'm trying to weasel my way out of having to pay that money. And and they said, well, well you've met the deductible. And I'm like, well, yeah, but what happens if I – what happens if I if I – Involved in an accident, either my fault or not, or including another car, and I have damage to the car. Oh, well, you don't. You, well, that that's that's not a not a factor because you've already met the deductible.
4: Oh boy! Wow!
3: I said, wait, 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 wait. So, 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 so you're saying that the car that I've rented that currently doesn't have any damage from this accident, I've quote met the deductible. I don't have to pay any more. Should the car get damaged while I still have it? Yes. I said, let me get your name and make none of it. So, so, um, that in writing. Yeah, so we, Oh God. So, so we, 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 and with ISDE, there's special tests and things like that. So we, we were scouting stuff and I was jumping the thing through terraces and fields. And I will, I will, I will, uh, I will assure you that though the front spoiler was completely ripped off of it from jumping some terraces in a field. Um, I, I did include the spoiler was in the hatchback when I returned it. Oh, that's
4: awesome. Place. I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad. I yeah, asked and, the, that.
3: And, the, and, and the thing is, what's cool is so like for me, uh, here in South Carolina, there, there are stories, my dad and his buddies, um, there are stories of Bob Hanna coming here into South Carolina in the seventies and doing these one-off races where Bob Hanna took a Camaro around a local motocross track. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's. I think regard well, you know, pre-social media and pre, you know, cameras everywhere on every uh, traffic light and business externally within our culture. Um, way back then, from the seventies, eighties, nineties, there's an unlimited number of rental
4: car stories. Oh, Absolutely, I bet. there's there's yeah. so many books that could be written from that era. We, we, hey,
3: <laughs> it's like it's like I tell my son now. I said, Creighton, you we can't even have fun anymore. We can't even have fun anymore, right? So, right everything we do is on camera so.
4: yeah it's all been ruined through, thanks to technology or or ruined, ruined, ruined has right. it, been ruined also ruined, too yeah. also too it's been ruined also too it's been ruined yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna wrap this thing up uh there's also some great stories ricky talking about pooping himself uh troy mcgrath hey, I, 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 Go ahead. I remember that
3: do you I remember that oh yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that uh distinctively and and uh distinct yeah <laughs> distinct pronounced stink yeah um no at, at Troy Ohio and and Ricky was suffering from that irritable bowel syndrome mm-hmm. and and I can remember I don't remember which Michelin rider it would have been at that time but finished within the top three and we're kind of near the podium as the as the the moto finishes and Ricky just in his you know um brown and whatever color Fox here <laughs> um ri- ri- rides right by the podium and uh and and rides straight off to the truck. Um didn't stop for any views, didn't stay. Um and just to think about that, like like how dedicated he is and and uh how badass he is to so just push through that um and 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 again win motos and then uh and go on you know just go back to the truck and get cleaned up right um yeah it's crazy crazy i definitely remember that that particular weekend at troy ohio when that happened
4: yeah i can imagine like you know kids always want gear some kid coming up ricky can i have your gear sure take it kid (laughs) 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 oh all all right right.
3: that would would be horrible That, that that reminds me of a bradshaw story he told me in europe bradshaw told me once he was in europe and and like he couldn't leave the he couldn't leave the the motorhome or the truck or the trailer or whatever they were in uh, he had to take a dump and he couldn't and this and that so so he, he just like took a dump in a box because he couldn't leave it because he couldn't go anywhere because the fans were mobbing them. oh yeah and so then he threw the box out and everyone just went scrambling through the box oh. and they discovered that it it wasn't anything worth having
4: so um, <laughs> so gross so horrible horrible so horrible all uh, right, I want to thank Guts Racing, motorsport.com, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, as well as all the sponsors of Pulp MX, Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Grill Your Ass Off, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, go to pulpamexshow.com, click on the Sponsor Deals tabs, use those links, use those codes. If you don't see one that you're looking for, use the contact form on pulpamex.com, and Steve will do his best to help you out. I appreciate everybody that's involved with my, this show. The Pulp Mech Show. If you don't support the sponsors, there'll be no shows eventually. You got to support them. Got to keep that money coming in from the sponsors. Keep those numbers up. Uh, Randy, anything that we missed that you want to touch on? Um, Because I have like two pages of notes that I didn't even get to.
3: I know. I know. It's such a great show. Yeah. It's almost like we should have a a re wrap up um, of (laughs) the show. Let somebody else
4: wrap up the wrap up show.
3: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I think we should have, you know, Show 500 point one right or whatever um because i w- any of us could sit and listen to those guys talk forever and like steve mentioned uh on the motor 60 show like like he's trying to kind of be respectful of of jeremy and his had his wife kim there with him and and try to wrap it up and they went downstairs, which is um i think if i measure correctly 120 feet below the studio down to the main floor the, um, yeah, the, the yeah. The yeah. did they use the elevator yeah, or they used yeah they use the elevator okay yeah. well if, if james was there uh James the butcher uh the uh, the butler if James was there he probably took him down to the first floor but they sat and talked another hour like yep. um you know, respectfully mind your conversation probably not worth listening to right but when you have someone <laughs> like like Jeremy and Ricky Carmichael sitting and bench racing about their two iconic careers and the yeah. overlap of those i could listen for hours so um i th- i think we've hit everything and and again just um one, thanks to Steve and him being so bullheaded and stubborn to continue to pursue his vision of what is now Pulp MX And uh and certainly uh Dark Side, thank you for for adding value to that. Um, the wrap up show is is great. I enjoy it always. Thank you. And uh thank you for what you do as well, buddy.
4: Well, thank you. This is by far gonna be the longest wrap up show of all time. It is we're in an hour forty eight right now. I've got a little bit of editing to do, but then I have like another hour of Again, stay tuned for JT, Marks, Talon, Pookie, and DB. Some insight from them. Other than that, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Nick. We're out of here. But stay tuned for the for the uh, extra content. We're gone. All right, first up, to talk about Show 500 from somebody that was actually there. Maybe get some inside scoop. Maybe we'll find some secrets. Maybe some stuff you not that Steve didn't want out. Who knows? We got Mr. Daniel Blair on the phone. What's up, DB? Unfortunately, I had to sign some NDAs. Uh, Those don't mean a anything. Lot,
8: a lot was discussed off camera, and I uh, fortunately signed an agreement. Can't tell you anything.
4: I don't believe for a second that anything that Steve had you sign is worth the paper it was signed on.
8: Yeah, well, first off, Steve's not making it. you think he's got NDAs? <laughs> Shit, <Come>
10: no.
4: <laughs> he's, the first to, he's the first to break stories Yeah Yeah,
8: no 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 I'm just messing no it was uh, that was pretty cool night though man I got to tell you um, obviously I'm home now and you know a day removed from it but man that was cool I I just being with those guys and I'll tell you what I talked to Steve about it afterwards too it's not like he got like the two best writers of a certain era on I mean they're the two best that's ever done it ever (laughs) yeah so it would be like it would be like having like Jordan and Wilt on or. Like a Brady and a Merino or a Merino and a Elway. You know what Montana I mean? Montana, like Having rice. two, yeah, eh, those are Niners. Um, you know what I mean, though? It, yeah, yeah be, I'm with you. It would be like having like two of the best that's ever done it at the same time. Five hours drinking beers, talking about old stories, and then, dude, I mean, you, I'm sure you caught this, but at one point they just kind of went off on their own for a while. We're asking each other questions, and I, dude, we just sat there and listened. And dude, it was it was. It was quite the experience. It was pretty rad.
4: Yeah, I th- at the end, I think RC maybe or something was like, "Man, you you're, you've been kind of quiet, Daniel," and you're like, "Well, yeah, duh." Well, yeah, he, he <laughs> said
8: to me, he's like, "Man, you haven't you you usually talk a lot," and I'm like, "What the hell am I supposed to say on this show, dude?" <laughs> like, <laughs> Nobody
4: wants to hear I, me I'm, tonight.
8: Yeah, I, and you know, and that that was my plan going in because I, I honestly I felt like honored to be invited into this and be like you know part of this show, but at the same time, the show is about you know Jeremy and Ricky. So I I want to make sure that I injected to keep it fun with them but really stayed out of it especially when they got into their careers. You know when we were just bench racing, we all got in there. We were all having a good time, JT. We were all throwing things at these topics. Yeah. But as soon as they kind of get into like their career, dude, that's when I would just pull back and just kind of start listening and like I mean I've heard some of these stories but not all of them. So I spent half that show just being a spectator. And it was, dude, it was so awesome uh, just to hear them and, and then be able to see the facial expressions too. You know, that's always huge. You, you hear them on the podcast and you, you get there having a good time. But when you look at them, it was, it was different. It was pretty cool.
4: Yeah, the funniest expression for me of the night was when RC was talking about Jet Lawrence having the most skill of any rider maybe ever. And Jeremy was like, what? Uh, no, I don't think so.
8: Yeah, well, and I think, I I think Ricky got caught up in 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 the moment of jet, which you know, and I and I'm and I'm there too though. I, mean, you know I am. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think he is like Ricky said, one of the top three best that's ever ridden a motorcycle. It's hard to say James. It's hard to say anyone's better than James on the bike. Right. Jeremy obviously changed the entire way you ride a motorcycle. He was the first to modernize it but Jed is doing stuff right now that is like intriguing to all of us. So I think that's what he meant by it. But when he said it was the best, I think he even got caught in the crosshair. like, uh, I think that was a little far. Like he, he brought it back. a <laughs> yeah, little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. even Jeremy was like, what the hell? Uh, but it was, you know, I mean, we're watching, we're watching someone that's pretty rad right now. And, and to me, it's cool to be in there and hear them both see it too, from different angles. Like Jeremy, you know, he, he didn't go that far, but you could tell he's pretty high on him too. And, I I really personally liked hearing them go long form on Eli and Chase and Kenny and Cooper because it wasn't like Ricky or Jeremy had the answers to what's you know it was more of like an exploration. Yeah, like we were all exploring ideas. Like you know I kind of think this, and I and we were all kind of agreeing with each other because it wasn't like well here's what it is. It was like a, a group of people trying to make sense of Eli Tomac and it was cool to hear them do it in long form. It was, it was, I mean, it was great to not have a time limit and let Jeremy McGrath just roll, you know,
4: totally, totally agree. Um, You've been around those guys before, you know, I mean, obviously Ricky all the time, but is there any like nerves for you still, or like almost kind of fanboy now, but trying to be cool still? None. I mean, it's like,
8: past that for me i mean that like ricky is legitimately my friend yeah um and jeremy i don't see him a lot but whenever i do it's he's i mean he's been very cool to me for a long time so we we do have enough of a relationship where when i see him like i i you know it's it's not like an awkward thing it's like oh what's up like that but that's kind of just how i am in general even like with the writers like people always ask like on blair's breakdown like dude you're kind of gnarly with the guys it's like no i'm messing with them (laughs) and they know it like we're just playing yeah, so, your, your
4: story I, with Cooper I, I, was great. I love. <laughs> he,
8: he lied yeah, to you. I, I actually, kind of felt bad after that one because it's it's not like there's a problem or anything. It's just we we just haven't been as like homieish ish because he's had a rough year and I'm yeah. you know and I kind of like learned early like maybe leave him alone a little bit. So, right, right. Uh, so there's not like a problem. Like we're buddies still, but just you know when he was winning, dude, it was like weekly smack talk like right yep. you know it was he was in a better place and i was uh taking advantage of it by hammering <laughs> pretty hard
4: i, I so, want to uh, ask you a lot more questions unfortunately we got a big storm hitting and we got a tornado warning getting ready to go off so no i got no way yeah this right, happened well, like two mondays ago when steve was on too it's, it's just that time of year for us but uh, before uh, i let you go stuff or something yeah before i let you go i want to know like what was the vibe of the house pre-show downstairs hanging out pookie snacks you know i mean like Dude. It just had to be cool as hell.
8: It was awesome. So yeah, we get there. Uh the big five hundred balloons are up. Yeah. Um Pookie, of course, crushed it and you know, brought in crumble cookies and Buka de however you say that, de, de whatever, de beppo De Peppo. What, no idea what you're
4: even trying to say.
8: Uh some Italian place. Okay. I, I forget how you say it. Um, but uh, you know, had drinks out. I mean, it was like all like nice and catered and uh, dude, it was just like a social hour, then all of a sudden Mark's was like, Hey, uh it's <laughs> We gotta go. Like it's starting, so we <laughs> all ran up there and like we all sat down. Like right before, there was no like prep. It was it it just went from downstairs to upstairs. Kept rolling. And then the commercial break back to downstairs. <laughs> yeah. it, it was just it was everything off camera was pretty much the same as on camera. It was the topics were a little looser, of course, because we weren't you know on on camera talking about specific topics, but it was just loose. It was it was way cool, and it was just kind of like a little social hangout, and everyone was awesome. And like again, seeing Jeremy and Ricky just bro down i'm just like wow that's you just don't see that often like i said i i did weird out a little bit on that like i said individually i don't get that way with them but seeing yeah. them together i'm like man I it's weird i'm in this house right now
10: yeah I'm so am so, jealous. Uh, that, that so I, jealous yeah i
8: fa- I fanboyed a little on like i said individually no biggie but them together like that's still a little weird
4: you know awesome man I, I wish i had time to get into some more with you but yeah i think we gotta check on the weather and see what's going on my mom's texting hey, me like, bro, hey, bro. yeah All right. sucks sometimes living here
8: all right right, we'll back up this file and all your all your info so if the yep. tornado rips through you can still uh post it up bro
4: <laughs> yeah hopefully it misses us all yeah right. stay safe dude all right talk to you soon dv thanks man later see you okay next up to uh give us maybe some behind the scenes a little bit of how the show went monday night is the lovely the beautiful pookie mathis how are you
1: Hi, I'm good. How
4: are you guys? It's doing good. Good to f- talk to you. Good. It's been a little while. um you know, we don't yeah, get to hear for you having me on yeah, we don't get to hear you on air very often anymore, but uh, with this show being such a special show and the guests that were in studio, I just kind of wanted to see what it was like for you. uh I know you love McGrath uh you know, to have those guys these legends in your house, just a little bit of a little background
1: yeah, it was um it was a lot of planning, um, ahead, you know, for food and appetizers and drinks and desserts. And, you know, I just wanted everything to be really nice when everybody came. Um, we were having a really bad wind storm that day. And, um, the, the wind just kind of threw my whole schedule off. So I didn't end up getting back to the house with the food until right, right around four o'clock oh. and Jeremy and his wife were just getting here. I pulled up at the same time as them, and Ricky and Daniel and JT and his um, friend were already here. So I was a little rushed getting set up, um, but it was really, really nice. Um, The guys were so friendly, uh, thankful, appreciative. It seemed like they were genuinely really happy to be here and really having a really fun time the whole time. Um, You know, like even on the breaks and like there was an hour before the show where everybody was just down here talking. And it was just, I don't know, it was really, really cool. I I, I knew those guys were nice. I mean, I've met them before, but, um, you know, just to, like you said, have them in my house and have it be so personal and, um, just to really see how they are. It was awesome.
4: Yeah. We, we texted just a little bit about that during it. And I was like, you know I, I got to meet McGrath a couple times as a fan, and then doing this, I've met him a couple times, mm-hmm. and like he's everything you would dream McGrath would be. He is the coolest guy on the planet, but <laughs> the nicest guy. but then the the one that was a surprise for me was meeting Ricky because I always had this uh perception of who Ricky was, and it wasn't a person that I thought I would like very much, and he is yeah. so freaking nice.
1: I think he's changed a lot since he stopped racing because yeah. they were talking about it a little bit too when he was saying like, you know, when it was getting really tense. Um, I don't know if this was on air or not, but they were giving Jeremy shit because, you know, Jeremy's just cool to everybody. He was so nice, you know, when he didn't need to be nice to you. And yes. Ricky took it way more serious and Jeremy was giving him shit like, you know, I blame you for everybody fighting. I When I was <laughs> winning, I got along with everybody. That was and, on air, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Ricky, I think he just has mellowed out a lot since he isn't racing anymore. But yeah, I was blown away by how friendly he was too. I mean, he just showed up by himself and just totally hung out. You know, was making himself some drinks. I had a little bar set up and yeah. yeah, it was really, really great.
4: I liked his comeback. Ricky's comeback to that. was like, well, it wasn't like you guys were asking me to do anything either. You weren't coming to talk to me. Yes. So that yeah. was, that Good was for
10: him. I it, know He's it kind of right. puts a spin on it, right?
4: You kind of think about like, <laughs> I, like it made me go, wow, like really what would have been different? How cool would have been if those guys actually had just been like, Hey man, let's talk, let's hang out. Like yeah. Maybe for the time that would that like it, it was really the time was perfect for that generation. But I don't know. It would have been cool to to see what would have been different if they had actually gotten along.
1: Right. During their actual racing. Yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that no, was cool for sure.
4: Yeah. Again, I know you're a big McGrath fan. So are you still a little bit kind of like me in awe? Like you got to be you don't want a fanboy, boy, fan girl out. But there's a <laughs> little bit of like, holy shit. Like I remember us at salt lake city last year remember up in the press box yes you and steve were talking to, to to mc and you like you wanted hey you gotta like say hi to him for you know you wanted steve to kind of make the connection there like you wanted to say hi to jeremy but i don't think you wanted to go do it on your own and i sort of just snuck in on your conversation so that i could say mm-hmm. hi too and it was a I little remember. bit of like holy shit there's mcgrath holy shit okay be cool that's be- only
1: the second time i ever met jeremy the only other time i met him was just to get a picture out of supercross oh okay and i did Steve not know that so th- this is that was the only time oh, when you thought that i had ever even spoken to jeremy
10: oh shit and then <laughs> even the though next when time-
1: i when i met him he said oh good to see you again and he's like saying that he had met me before but he hadn't but just showing like how nice he is yeah he just assumed you know because i'm steve's wife that we must have met before <laughs>
4: That's awesome. But, you know,
1: my favorite writer of all time is Jeff Emig. So I was Ooh. not honestly a huge MC fan. I never hated MC or anything, but it's like, can somebody else win a freaking race every once in a while? <laughs> so, yeah, Jeremy, you know, I love him now okay. and I'm very appreciative of what he did for the sport. But, yeah. no, my all-time favorite is Jeff.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that that's the next one we need to get in studio. And huh? then
1: after Jeff was Ricky. I was a big Ricky fan when I was in college and stuff. So, was, you know, he was winning everything. So.
4: so, yeah. So Monday night was pretty special for you just as a fan. Man.
1: yeah yeah for sure I didn't get a photo with everybody because like I said we were having a giant windstorm so I yeah. had, my hair was all crazy and then I was barely had time to get ready so I was like let me just not even get the picture because I'll probably be like this is so ugly you know I hate pictures of myself yeah. anyway so I skipped it but I really did want to I wish I would have got one with both yeah of them.
4: <laughs> yeah you should have I think we got your yeah. wind last night we had some tornado stuff last night and uh yeah we lost power like literally as i was finishing my show yeah so um any was there anything that maybe happened off air that you a story or anything that you have to share that (laughs) you know didn't go on air anything that you thought was cool um i probably should have given you a heads up on this
1: yeah i feel like um i don't feel like anything really stood out other than just you know it was a lot of bench racing and talking about the old days and You know, they really did talk about the old days. And, you know, what I thought was cool is that um, especially more I noticed with Ricky is that he would ask questions back like their knowledge. He he can remember any year off the top of his head and what bike he had and what was going on then. But, you know, sometimes he would be like, oh, in this year, oh, who were you working for back then? Like they were talking about when Steve first got in and, you know, he was actually asking questions like he wanted to know. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed when Steve's mom called in. He actually asked her, "Hey Debbie, tell us a story, you know, about Steve when he was a kid." And I know Steve's mom got a huge kick out of that.
4: Yeah, that was great. I actually, I think mm-hmm. I cut some of that audio today for that because, yeah, co- yeah, I love what Debbie was. I love what Debbie's on. She
1: had, she wanted to call in, and she's. I texted her, "Are you calling?" And she said, "Yes, it's busy, busy, busy." And so I texted upstairs to Talon, and I said. Um, are the phone lines full? And he said, yes, they've been full the whole time. And I said, well, Steve's mom is trying to call. So make sure if, you know, she gets on that you tell Steve right away. And he, um, he texts me a little bit later and he said, um, I'm going to bump two people off. Tell her to call right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, he ended up hanging up on some people that were just, you know, they weren't going to get to them. So technical difficulties. we were able to, yeah, we were able to free up a line. For getting, uh, <laughs>
4: hey,
1: if anybody's going to yeah. get a special place in the line, it's, you know, Steve's mom. Absolutely.
4: So. Well, I guess Pookie. Now it's time to start planning for uh, six hundred. Right. <laughs> it'll be here I, before I don't you even know. know. It. Like
1: it'll be probably. Well, I guess it'll be probably another two years. I think yeah. there's an average of like fifty shows a year, so but that goes so I don't know, maybe fast. The Lawrence Brothers by then. <laughs> right.
4: Right. Nah. Yeah. It goes so Ooh. fast, though. Like it's like I it yeah, feel it like really four hundred was just like it feels like it was last year. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Pookie, I just yeah wanted to get you on for a minute, and just I, I know that was a fun experience. I, you could tell how much fun Steve was having. Like you know, we get used to it, the, like he loves doing this show. The the pulp show is his favorite show to do. You can see it when he does it, yeah. markets, but there was something special Monday night. Like I was, I didn't know he was going to do the show with no guests. That was the first thing I noticed. I was like, wow, that, that ticker on the top of YouTube looks really bare. And, mm-hmm. and but it was just really cool to see how much fun he was having, seeing Ricky like he would lean over to McGrath and like they were just it was it was yeah. just something special. Uh-huh. It was very different.
1: It really was. And you could tell even from when MC, like I told you, I walked in with MC because they were pulling up right with me. Yeah. And they were so happy to see each other. I mean, just smiled, oh. hugged. Hey man, like this is going to be so great. And like that whole hour that we had before, before the story- show even started. Um, yeah, it was just a really good time. I did order way, way too much food. Of course <laughs> I had to send food home with Travis and yeah. Talon and cookies and everything. I'm still eating leftover pasta today, but yeah, you know, oh, better
4: too much than too little. I'm, yeah, that's I'm so hungry right now. That's you. You just you made it worse. I'm yeah. I'm about to go get it's like food. A host
1: this nightmare. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Because like I said last night, we we dealt with storm. So I was out till two a.m. dealing with storm damage, and then it's my my whole schedule today is a mess. So. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, uh, none of that matters. Yeah, no, I
1: think everybody had a good time, especially Steve. He was pretty nervous about it before. Just, I got to make sure it's good. I got to make sure it's good. I'm like, it's going to be good no matter what. But, you know, of course, he spent the whole morning upstairs writing his notes and planning out what he was going to, you know, do and say, and he kept, should I have a guest, should I not? I'm like, no, (laughs) no guest. You don't need anybody. Just
10: just talk to them. Yeah, I
4: love that you just told us that because I didn't even think to ask that. But normally, I've only been in the studio twice, but Steve seems like there's no nerves. This is now, it's just another day in the office. And you know, yeah, he has a few notes, but there's not like, he pretty much knows what he wants to talk to the guys about on a normal show. Like it, yeah, so I, wish
1: th- I, could, I could um, find the legal pad. He usually does one whole page of a yellow legal pad of notes. His handwriting is really bad, so I can hardly <laughs> ever read it, but yeah. it's funny. Just the way he, you know, makes a note to himself. I would wonder what the, what the show notes looked like for this show because I was upstairs cleaning most of the day up there and, um, he was up there, you know, just writing notes. So I'd like to see what he said. I'll see if I can find it. If I can, I'll send it to you. Dude,
4: That would be a good giveaway. (laughs) Like give away the show notes for 500 sign it.
1: That, we should have had everybody sign it.
4: Yeah, that'd be cool. Like we had, almost we like had a been a, set list, a whole a, bunch
1: of stuff. Yeah.
4: Oh, I know. I know.
1: <laughs> I had put like three pop-up tables, and I covered <laughs> them with tablecloth, and I just laid out everything because people were sending stuff to the house like a week before the show. Stuff started showing up. Like somebody sent these little cards. Hey, man, I've always wanted Jeremy to sign these. Can you please have him sign them? A jersey showed up, and it, it's crazy. Yeah. Can somebody you have actually sign this.
4: Yeah, Somebody reached out to me on Instagram that sent a jersey that he signed them. Um, I don't remember who it was now i'd have to go back and look but somebody somebody uh this guy's up on cripple creek is his instagram but yeah he said he sent a jersey that steve had him re-sign so yeah yeah
1: that that was one of them i guess his mom had washed the original signature off of it
4: yeah yeah that's it yeah
1: yeah i took a photo and i posted it on my instagram i said whoever's jersey this is he signed it
4: that's awesome well pookie i'm gonna let you go i I know you don't love being on air anymore but it's, it's special to me that you were willing to do this tonight
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of
4: course. Anytime. And we, we love Pookie. So every time there's a Pookie sighting on YouTube, the, the, the chat goes crazy.
1: Oh, I know they're few and far between. And I never look at the comments cause you know, I don't want to see, but <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that people are watching still. Yeah.
4: I'm always in the chat on YouTube and there's never, I never see anything negative. I mean, everybody's just excited to see you. So we love you.
1: Oh, okay. Well, good then.
4: All right, Pookie, you have a good <laughs> night and okay, uh, thanks too. for doing this. All right. See ya.
1: Okay. Bye. bye.
4: All right. My next guest from pulp mx show episode 500 on monday night he was in studio for part of the show hopefully we'll get some behind the scenes stories a little bit about what it was like mr jason thomas what's up jt not too much
7: uh yeah just getting out of work and trying to get my life back together um going to a race and then going to vegas for the show and all that has a great way of uh getting you way behind on things so yeah been a busy day but a good one
4: yeah, you you gotta be used to all the travel by now though, right? I mean, that's pretty much all you do. Yeah, it, it is. I am used to
7: it. Um, I think it's you know, for somebody who doesn't travel, they would completely lose their mind yep. trying to just jump into my schedule. But um honestly it's just more the workload. Like midweek with races back to back and then it's uh we're kinda going into busy season with work stuff anyway. It's just uh it's hard to be gone for several days in a row and then I leave for Atlanta again Friday and then I go to Boston early next week. So it's, it's a little bit nuts right now, but yeah, it is what it is.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I want to get you on here to talk about 500. Um, I've had D- Daniel Blair on a little bit and I had Pookie on a little bit ago, just kind of discussing that night. I think oh, everybody cool. that was in studio has a different, uh, like relationship with Ricky and MC, like you've been around those guys yeah. a lot Talon and Uh, And Mark's like, I don't know, that might have been the first time they ever met him, so they're probably still a little bit in awe. You know, Pookie has been in the business because of Steve for years and watched MC. You know, so everybody's got a little bit of a different relationship. I mean, obviously, you spent a ton of time with Chad Reed, so you've been around all these great, great writers most of your career. But to me, I feel like there's still a little bit of this aura around those two guys where you might be a little bit like, holy shit, these are the best.
7: Yeah, you know what, I'm... (laughs) I'm kind of past that, you know, I've known Ricky, I've I've known Ricky since we were little kids. Right. And I used to stay at his house and ride with him. And I mean, I've raced him since we were on 65. So the aura thing really isn't there with, with he and I, um, I've just known him too long. I knew him before, before he was anybody, you know? So, um, it's just like a, a really kind of a long-term friend and we really weren't friends for an extended period just because of people that I was friends with and, I kind of got into that a little bit with him. And it's funny on the show, I kind of alluded to that, like, Hey, you know, we didn't really care for each other. And I was friends with people you didn't like, and he kind of like backed away from that, but he's full of shit. So um, for lack of a better term, <laughs> there, there were hard feel- and And he has done a great job. I think in recent years of unwinding a lot of negative relationships he had with people and good, good for him, man, to his credit, he has gone out of his way, and Steve is no different in that regard. He and Steve basically hated each other. Yeah. And he has—he was the one that stepped out first, and he unwound all of that. And it was kind of the same thing with me where I was – I'm good. Like, we've been good for a long time. But there were definitely hard feelings with he and I. And it was just – it was sides, and it was rivalry. And not only were we racing each other – not really, but we we were racing each other on some level, right? Sure. Um, You're still a competitor. So, Yeah, of course. And, um, so yeah, that, that's, that was an easy one. And then MC, like I even got to race a lot with him and yeah. Okay. When I came in, he was a superstar, so I didn't really air quotes race him, but the latter stages of his career, um, especially when we would go to Europe, we raced a lot and we raced hard and close. Uh, so I had a good relationship with him from, you know, when you go to these European races, it's a completely different mentality. Like everybody hangs out. Everybody's kind of broing down and you go to dinners together and all the activities together. When you go to the USA, nobody hangs out at all. Right. It's like everybody's doing their own thing and then walked away in their own truck, doing their own program. So I've been to Madrid and uh, Geneva and a bunch of these races with MC in that environment where it was just mellow and everybody's just kind of hanging out. Um so there was some familiarity there too so thankfully I think that helped kind of the chemistry between all of us is like I I had stories to tell and I had lots of prior conversations and experience with these guys to kind of know their cadence and and how they operate a little bit.
4: Yeah I that's that you could tell that that was really cool to see that side of it and have you Hat, like, Daniel was kind of quiet. Like, he let the show go a lot. But you had a lot of stories with these guys. And I want to touch on one of the ones you mentioned a little while ago. It was kind of my favorite moment of the night, or one of them anyway, where you were talking about the rivalries and the, the group of people you were around. And, and Ricky, you say he's full of shit, and I kind of I believe you probably more than I believe him. But I love the way he sort of twisted. was like, hey, you guys weren't coming to talk to me to go hang out either. And, like, you know, I grew up as a fan, right? I wasn't in the sport. I didn't know any of these. So all I knew is what I might read in the magazine, which probably had its own twist on it. So I had a perception in my head, how everybody was and seeing the way the stories, listening to the stories Monday night and the interaction. And you kind of go, yeah, man, there probably is more than one side to the story. And like, I don't know, Monday night was just really special for me and most of the fans. And I thought it was, it, it was just, I don't know, one of the coolest podcast moments, interviews, whatever you want to call it. I've ever seen.
7: No, I and, and if it came across to him or to anyone that Ricky was in the wrong and we all wanted to hang out and he was being a jerk, that that's definitely not yeah. the case. It, everybody just didn't like each other. Right. You know, it was yes, it was yes. com- competitive, and I'm not saying he was good either. He was he was a jerk, and Chad was also a jerk, and Stu was also a jerk. But they all kind of fed off of. How they treated each other, and if I think if anybody had extended an olive branch, maybe there could have been some ground made, but nobody wanted to. Like there was no interest by anyone in improving the relationship. So it was it was like a cold war. It really was like no one talked to each other. You know, if you were on Ricky's team, which was like Scott Taylor, you know, whichever team he was on, JH, um, a lot of the people he still kind of hangs with now. Mm-hmm that was your group. And you did not veer outside of that group. And if you were Chad Reed's group, which was myself and Joel, his bus driver and, you know, Michael Byrne, a little bit later in the, in that series, um, you know, there and there were a bunch of other people that were around that Truman came into that dynamic as well. Um, you didn't veer out of that. And then Stu had his crew of Rado and all that, all those guys. And that's just how it was. And everybody knew where the lines were drawn and for me, it was like weird because I was racing too. like JH was super tight with Ricky. Why well, was super tight with Chad and Timmy and Tortelli at different times. But I also had to worry about my own racing. Like yeah. I was involved in their drama, but at the same time I was like, yeah, I, I kind of got my own thing I got to do too. I got to, <laughs> you know, pay a mortgage and, and, you know, pay my bills and do all these things. So it was, it was interesting for me at times. Cause I had to like do I check myself on getting too wrapped up in it? Because that wasn't even my deal. Like I was trying to uh, fulfill my own career here too, but right. yeah, I sure. just don't, I, I don't want it to come across that Ricky was the instigator of all this stuff. That's not how it was at all. Yeah. Everybody was guilty of this at that time.
4: Yeah. I don't think it came across that way. I think it was just like, my perception was like, I'm thinking it was uh, my thinking is like, yeah, RC hated Chad at the time. hated James at the time. But then in the show, he's like, Hey, it's not no, like yeah, did. I, mean, I was treating you this way, but he it's did. not like you were treating me any different, is basically what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I dug when it. He,
7: when he was like, no, we're, I'm like, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> right. no, sir. Yeah. No, sir. That is not how it went. And that doesn't, like, I, I feel like he th- thinks or thought that it makes him a bad guy to be that way. Yeah. But it doesn't. Like, that's just not how it is. Like, when you're racing at the highest levels and that competitive, those people don't like each other. Like, that's just what it is. Like heavyweight boxers don't like each other. <laughs> UFC fighters hate each other. Kind of have like, to. That's, yeah. that's just what it is. And it's been no different. Damon Bradshaw and Jeff Matasevich hated each other with a passion. That's just the normal way things go in a competitive sport. Now, is it down to like, if that guy was injured and needed my help, would I help him? Of course they would, right? But this is, it's sport at the highest, highest level. And if there's not animosity there, then you probably don't care enough. And that's kind of how I always view it. Is like, if you're fine with just getting your ass kicked all the time by your biggest rival, you probably don't care enough.
4: Yeah, good point. And the thing with Ricky, you kind of mentioned that like he's changed. He's worked on that a little bit. And I see that because Ricky was a guy that, as a fan, just a, a, with, again, no connections, he was a guy I didn't like. <clears throat> I was a McGrath fan. I didn't like that he came in and beat McGrath. I felt he – I didn't really like his attitude. I felt he was a little cocky, a little – Kind of a dick he sometimes. Was.
7: No, he he was. He definitely yeah. was. So I didn't. And I, was, like I that. would tell him that. I would tell him that to his face. I, I would. He was. He was very very cocky at the time. That I think that's also part of the game. Like you need to be cocky, right? You know. And, but he was. There's no question. I don't. Even if he was like, there's no way I was. I'd be like, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Everybody around you, and people that didn't and did know you thought that, and it's okay. Like it's it's okay. But it's it's still true.
4: Yeah, it kind of was a mind F when I first met him. And he was so nice. And then like the next time I see him, I'm like he's not gonna remember who I am. And he comes up and says hi to me. I'm like, okay, this is like really not what I'm expecting. And it threw me way off. And like you say, he has changed. And as they get retire, I guess, they're probably even his perception of that era might be a little different. Like, you know, he's just he's changed. They've gotten older and they're friendlier. And now it was like, okay, those were good times back then. It's 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 just not the same anymore.
7: Yeah. And you know, for me, I wasn't on their level of success or any of that. Right. But I was still in that world and racing in my own deal. And I can tell you looking at myself, just self, uh, kind of, you know, retrospection. I was an asshole back then. (laughs) Like I was (laughs) such a jerk to people. Um, but I didn't care. Like I was so singularly focused on what I was doing. And if you weren't, Involved in that or helping me, I didn't really care. And I like, I wanted to beat guys and I wanted to be better. And if I thought that I, you know, I just basically felt like I needed to act that way to be my best and like, you can't beat me and you will not beat me. And, you know, that's how you kind of like your confidence fed off of that. And I can look at myself now like I, you know, I have this job where I have to go in and, and meet strangers and sell products. And, you know, I have that VIP program where I meet strangers all the time. There's no way me at 25 could do that. Like yeah. I just wasn't developed as a person and my personality and my character. And I was not ready yet. And I see the same type things happening or have happened to Ricky where he's kind of come out of a shell. He's realized that, you know, he has made his mark and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody, right? He can be nice and be, I don't want to say vulnerable, but just be himself and that's plenty good. Like everybody already knows like you are a, were the, one of the if not the baddest dudes ever to do this. So just enjoy it and be yourself and you can really see that side of him has really blossomed in the last I don't know 5 years maybe.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. All right, two more things. <clears throat> the show as far as from Steve's perspective. You're one of Steve's best friends you know you've been around him for the entire era of Max. i feel like watching this thing on youtube and actually seeing his facial expressions and how happy he was this show was really really special to him
7: it it was um i you know i think on multiple levels you know i think to reach a milestone like 500 shows um that's part of it but i i don't necessarily always think he cares as much about that stuff but i think for him to have the, the two most successful motocross and supercross stars in his house, they're basically to celebrate him. And, and you exactly. can look at it however you want, but that's what it was, right? We were celebrating the success of something that he built from nothing. And I really tried to make a point of that on Monday was like, this is, this is a thing that nobody believed you could do there wasn't anybody telling you like, Hey, this is such a great idea, man. You're going to kill it. Like everybody's kind of looking at them like, eh. and you, like, how are you going to pay for anything? Like, how are you going to support your wife? And how are you <laughs> going to pay your mortgage? It could, because this wasn't a thing like podcasts weren't even like, you know, you look now, okay. In 2022, everybody listens to podcasts. I was literally listening to a podcast when you called that's easy to understand. Yes. Okay. In 2009, when he was hatching this thing, there weren't apps on all over your phone. And this just wasn't even a concept. Like it wasn't even proven out yet. So he was really a visionary on that front. And if I truly believe if he had been in major league baseball or the NFL or mainstream stuff, he would be a gajillionaire, right? He just happens to be in moto, which is a niche sport and it's, you know, a smaller crowd and all those things. But as early as he started, and as good at it as he is, the sky is, it still is the limit for him. We're just in a little bit of a smaller market. Um, but he was really on the front end. And, and I give him so much credit because the conviction it took to basically go all in, you don't see that very often, right? People kind of, you know, put their foot in the water and test, test the temperature and see if they want to do this and whatever. But he really went for it. He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go all in with this thing. I'm going to try this out. And I mean he's he's reaping the rewards of it right? He is the preeminent moto journalist in the sport, right or wrong and people can argue that point or whatever, but I would gladly take the other side if you want to take about talk about influence and impressions and reach and all those things find me someone with a louder voice. You know, it's probably not out there. So good for him and I think you know him realizing that all those people were giving him acknowledging that fact in his house in that moment like you could truly see the joy in his face, which was, that was awesome. Like that was worth those, you know, what you're talking about was worth me being there just for that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's great to hear, man. Your your guys' friendship, it's a lot of fun on the outside to listen to you guys argue, but it's, it's really a cool friendship. It's a brotherhood. Uh, and and it's, it, you know, I feel like, I feel somewhat honored to have gotten to know you guys and see it grow. So yeah, 500 was great. Uh, last question. Go ahead.
7: Make no mistake. We we do like when we're arguing, it's real. Oh yeah, it's not for show. Like I'm not kidding. He's not kidding. Like we're mad. Like (laughs) it's not like hey, we gotta play this up. Like there's none. It's not not happening. Like never. Never. No. no, Okay. Never. I feel like sometimes
4: sometimes he sticks to. I feel like sometimes he sticks to a point that's a little especially ludicrous, just because he was refusing to give in to you.
7: He might, he might, but I, I can tell you like those conversations, most of them originated in text. Okay. And we have carried them into the show <laughs> because we know that we really don't agree and yeah. we need to hash this out on air. But all of these things, since we're texting all day, I'm sure. in like 70 group text messages with this dude, right? <laughs> so you cover every inch of society, racing, right. stick and ball sports, politics, the economy. Anything, we we I'm dragged into a conversation with him about it because everybody talks to you for the most part. If it comes up, I'm in it, um and it's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it also leads to our biggest arguments because we don't we don't agree, and neither of us are going to back down. We've proven that, right? We're just going to yeah. argue into oblivion and piss everybody off that's listening
4: <laughs> until we each um, try to yeah, make move on.
7: Right. So it's, it's not fake. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I love the dude, you know, I'd do anything for him and yeah, he's one of my best friends, but yeah, we, we get really mad at each other too. And we really don't agree. And we, we have some really hard opinions that we'll never agree on. We just won't ever agree on.
4: Well, I have to say thank you to the, in, in, uh, from all the fans for allowing us in to uh, enjoy all that. (laughs) So
7: no, it's fun, man. It's all good.
4: Last question or last topic. So Steve said you, you, you left early and he's like, Hey, I think JT had a date. So, Man, love life, home life's good. <laughs> uh,
7: yeah, I'm, I mean, I am something single, new?
4: so I, I do, I do go on dates,
7: and um, yeah, trying to. Uh, I don't, I don't. I'm not choosing to be single. I'm not celibate or anything. So yeah, yeah I mean, nothing to, nothing to really report or anything okay. like that. And I had all kinds of people asking whatever. It's like, yeah, just calm down. Like I do go on <laughs> dates, so yeah, relax. Like it's it's cool. If there's if there's something serious going on on the relationship front. I'll, I will let everybody know, but yeah, it's just, I'm um, just, you know, going on
4: dates. Awesome. All right. Well, good for you, man. Good for you. You, you need uh yeah, you need some fun, bro. You, you work hard. So, uh, I mean, I know your job is fun most of the time, but yeah, you, it's It's cool. still a job though. Yeah. Anybody who has a job,
7: it, it can be, it can be fun also, but it's still a job.
4: Oh, absolutely. So you're killing it, man. And, uh, once again, thanks for doing this. Thanks for all the, no the support from fly racing for my stuff. It means the world to me, man. So thanks. Awesome. All right, JT, let you go.
7: Thanks, guys. See you. All right, see you. Bye.
4: Okay, to continue this uh, process, the guys that were in studio for show 500, we're going to get Talon Taylor and the Dune Goon himself, uh, Marks on, Travis Marks. What's up, guys? How you doing? What's up? What's up, Darkside? Not much, man. Uh, It's been a long day, long night. We were talking about that, but I'm glad to have some time to get you guys on. So, so far, I've talked to Daniel, I've talked to Pookie, I've talked to JT. Everybody, I would assume, had a little bit different experience with having the king and the goat in studio. Uh, and the way, reason I say this, you know, JT's been around those guys pretty much his whole career, right? He's friends with a lot of those those guys. He's friends with Chad Reed. So, it's not that unusual to be in the, in the you know, presence of greatness. Uh, and then Daniel, same thing, kind of, and Pookie's... Outside the industry a little bit, married to Mathis, but a fan of the sport. Now, you guys are fans of the sport. You're in studio. You're part of Pulp Mix, but this is the first time. I, I don't know. Is this the first time, Talon, is this the first time you've met Ricky and R.C., uh Jeremy, or no? Uh,
11: I got a picture with R.C. at Sam Boyd Stadium from way back in the day. But, yeah, first time, like, actually hanging out. Getting to the hang out.
4: Room. Right. Yeah. Same question, Marks, to you.
12: Um. Yeah. Yeah, first time. First time meeting both of them, you know, other than calling them on the phone when I was producer. Yeah. Uh, when I say them, I mean Jeremy. But <laughs> Right, true.
4: Right. So, to me, I, I feel like I'm, the three of us are sort of in the same boat. Like, we're fans of the sport. Those guys are almost gods. So, to sit there in that studio Monday night, to, Monday night, to have dinner with the Marks, had to be pretty surreal.
12: You know, I didn't know... How it was going to be. Uh, I don't normally really get worried or care about who's in the studio, but this was probably the first time I've ever been like, don't mess up as <laughs> I was driving to the show.
10: Yeah. You know? Okay.
12: Um, I, when I got there, Jeremy and his wife were out by their car about to walk in, and I literally waited for them to go in before I got out of my car to go in. So it wasn't <laughs> awkward. So I didn't mess it up, you know, mess oh, up the first right. meeting.
4: So you must have got there at the uh, same time Pookie did because she said she pulled up and they were about to walk in.
12: Yep. Yep. Right about the same time. Um, and I didn't want to do the awkward, like, oh, Hey, nice to meet you. Like as we're walking in type thing, you know, I wanted it to be good, so I <laughs> hung out for a minute. Uh, but man, it was, it was cool. It was a little bit surreal to meet both of them at the same exact time. You know, you shake both their hands within the span of 30 seconds. It was, that's pretty wild, honestly.
4: Yeah, I can see that. I, kn- I know how I felt when I met both of them. Uh, Talon, how about you, man? How was it meeting those guys? Like, really meeting them yeah it was it was cool like same as marks i was
11: nervous like all day monday but then (laughs) as soon as you meet them they're just cool they're just normal guys and like rc was talking about how he still drives his toyota t100 and just i don't know they're just (laughs) they just couldn't be more normal for how cool they could act or you know how how they could be they were just Normal, cool guys.
4: Yeah, that was actually a topic that got brought up, right? MC kind of talked about that. Like, you you want to meet your your favorite athletes or whatever, and you you think that you hope that they're going to be cool, because we're. And he's like, "I'm just a regular guy, man. I just put my helmet on the same way." Which I don't believe that. I think his helmet probably magically appears and, you know, it's it's placed placed perfectly. I, but but in reality, yeah, they're just people, and you kind of learn that. But like, my opinion of McGrath, and I said this with Daniel, or, uh, well, yeah, I think Daniel, Pookie, and JT, like, McGrath was the end all be all. And he is the nicest human being and still one of the coolest human beings ever. But Ricky, on the other hand, I had a perception of him being, like, cocky and kind of a dick, and I was not going to like him. And when I met him, he was so nice that it kind of messed me up a little bit, Marks. Like, I wasn't prepared for that.
12: Yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I think I was so amped to meet Jeremy because like Jeremy was my was my guy when I was growing up. Um, I think I was so amped on that that I kind of put RC off to the side a little bit in my mind. But meeting RC, man, like just super cordial, super nice, just very like very normal, um, and then you shake his hand, he looks you right in the eye, and he's like, man, how are you? Like, just super genuine. Yep. Uh, so it, it kind of threw me off a little bit, and that's not to say Jeremy wasn't, because Jeremy was obviously super cool. Like, you, you rarely hear stories about Jeremy not being cool, but RC caught, RC caught me off guard with how, how down-to-earth and, and um, uh, approachable he was. Yes, talent how's you any
4: surprises uh you know maybe a different thought process or a different perception
11: uh yeah like rc did have a little more arrogance back in the day but i think that was just part of how bad he wanted to win and it was almost like a a mental thing for him to kind of come across as a dick but he was super cool in person humble like you said and just I think it was good having him and McGrath too, because there was so much respect between the two that it's and they both accomplished so much. It's hard to not be humble when you're sitting next to, you know, the other one.
4: Yeah, it, it was really you. You did see a lot of humbleness or hear a lot of humbleness uh, about a lot of respect too from both of them. It was really man, it was such a good show, and it was really cool to hear these guys as I guess the the real, the people they really are. I, I thought it was we learned a lot. I learned a lot anyway. Uh, Talon, anything behind the scenes? Like, give us like, if you, I mean, I don't know how much time you had before the show started. I don't know how early you got there. I'd assume about an hour. Right. So like, what was it like pre-show just chilling, probably having some snacks, maybe a couple of drinks, anything cool happen?
11: I actually was the latest to any show that I have ever been this wow. show because I went to leave my house and my neighbor's dogs. It was super windy here Monday too. And my neighbor's dogs were running out in the street. So I had to try to wrangle them up and, pick up coffee for Steve this week, but yeah, so I got there super late. It was kind of a scramble, but then uh, on our break, when we were eating dinner, I was standing between MC and RC and they were just been tracing like through me talking to each other. And it was just, I don't know. I was just a cool experience just to sit there and hear them talk and be, you know, right in the middle of them too.
4: Yeah. How about you, uh, since you probably got there a little earlier than Mark's, you, got, you had to get there earlier, earlier in town. Clearly. Uh, what was that? What was the vibe like? pre-show
12: yeah i did um i got there extra early this time we had to if anybody on youtube noticed we used a couple different camera angles and added an extra camera to the guest side Uh, so i got there extra early to kind of set everything up and make sure we were good to go and of course i was i still felt like i was scrambling a little bit when five o'clock rolled around but uh, aside from that yeah i mean the vibe was just very upbeat um Everyone kind of hung out downstairs and and there was a lot of camaraderie going on, people drinking and eating and kind of just, you know, bullshitting. And, and you could tell that it was just from that, you could tell it was going to be a good show. And I wasn't even down there a lot. You know, I could just tell by what was going on, hearing it from upstairs. I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be good. Everyone's feeling it already. Everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's kind of pumped to be here um so yeah it was it, it was really cool and then when they came up obviously um you know everyone starts getting into show mode and, and again it was just like all right here, here we go you know it's gonna be a good one because they were both just ready to go and they seemed eager to get to it so it was it was, it was exciting build yeah up.
4: that was real uh, real apparent on youtube and i haven't just listened to the audio but you could hear it in their voices like watching though i you know i always compare when i'm doing a rap show you got to watch it like to see things that you can't obviously perceive when you're listening just the audio and like Ricky was sitting so close to Jeremy and he would lean over like he was so excited and so into talking about these stories telling that as a viewer I was getting excited like I found myself scooting to the edge of the seat you know like I want to get closer uh, and and just kind of living vicariously through it and not to mention just that like even Steve's reaction you could tell how much fun he was having
11: yeah, you could tell Steve was definitely a lot more... Not that he's not into other shows, but he was really into this show and just... Probably just McGrath, like being a fan of McGrath back in the day, even though he was racing against him. But, uh, yeah, just the excitement in his voice and everything when they're telling those stories was pretty cool.
4: Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it was one of those things, like, I have to find time, Marks, to listen to it again because there was too much... There were so many stories, like... I was going back through your notes that you emailed Marks and I missed the caller asking about when Ricky threatened him with a gun. Like I missed that question somehow because I I was probably taking notes, but there were so many stories and so many things going on that I know I didn't absorb it all.
12: Yeah. And I've said that obviously there's been a lot of chatter this week. I've gotten texts from from just about everyone I know that listens to the show. You know, I get occasional texts anyway, just like, oh, that was a good show. This part was funny. But like, literally everybody I know that listens either texted or messaged me and, and was just like so pumped on it. Um, the callers, just to, just to touch on that a little bit, man, I was worried about some of the callers. Like when Talon was putting the notes in Slack and talking about, oh, this caller on this line wants to talk about this and this caller has a story about this. I even wrote in Slack I said I'm worried about these calls. Oh really? Cuz I just I was a little nervous that they were going to be a little cringe and that people were going to like fumble on their words and and it just wouldn't come across across great on on radio. And honestly, I got to give props to the callers cuz I think for the most part they all did a really good job of getting their words out, you know, setting up the story and and softballing it to the guys that they were asking questions to to get responses. Uh, for how it could have gone. I think the callers actually did pretty well all things
4: considered. Yeah, I agree. All the calls were pretty good. Like nobody there wasn't really that I can remember there was not one call where I was like, "Oh, come on, man. Like get it out, get it over with." Like they were all pretty good. Obviously, Debbie was the best call of the night. Um that, that was great. Talent, speaking of callers though, uh there were some guys left on hold for a long, long time and some of them did not get on air. That kind of sucks.
11: Yeah, I think there was three or four callers at the end of the show that had been on hold for over like two and a half hours so there was definitely some guys who were sitting there waiting for their turn and they never they never got it but that's just how it is and when you have those guys in studio it's you can't always please everyone you just got to let them talk and make it a good show get yeah. the stories out
4: yeah i i had so much more that like there's a, a couple little stories i wanted to ask about with mcgrath when i called in and I could tell my, my call was getting a little long and then Steve finally, he just wrapped it up when, when McGrath didn't know the story that I asked him about the text, you know, about the airplane, it was it instantly, it was, it killed the whole vibe. Like Steve was like, all right, we gotta go. We're out.
10: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. McGrath was like, oh yeah, man, I've been on a lot of planes. Said, okay. You don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. My right. bad so um
12: it happens
4: yeah yeah so mike that was a bad call but you know it was fun. and uh i i could tell that mcgrath he's met me a few times he's done my show once but i don't think he put the two together like he when he sees me he says hi he recognizes recognizes me but i don't think he knew who i was on the phone you know but rc was cool at least rc knew that that made me feel good (laughs) (laughs)
11: <laughs> yeah, MC doesn't uh,
4: pretend to be on a phone call when you walk up. No, but neither does Ricky. Ricky's never done that. Ricky's come up and talked to me where there's been like at the last race I was at, which I can't remember which round, uh, mini maybe. Um, now I think it was actually Glendale. Like I try to not go talk to Ricky on press day because I I do that every time. I was like I'm just I'm gonna leave him and he came and said hi to me. So yeah, he was joking. He's he's super nice and friendly, and it it's kind of cool, but. Yeah, I don't think McGrath knew who the fuck I was. Like, you know, if he saw me, he'd recognize me, I feel like, but that does, he couldn't put the name to it. So that's all right. But I did, I did, hey, I did text him afterwards the pictures of the autographs that I was talking about, so hoping he would put it together. You know what I'm saying?
12: Yeah. yeah. Did, did he text you back?
4: Yeah. He, he sent me the fire. He's like, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Nice. So nice. He, yeah, yeah, he responded. So that's cool. Anyway, I, I do have McGrath's number. So I feel like I've won in life.
12: Just going to slide that in
4: there, huh? Yeah. You know what, though? I was hoping Steve would ask me, hey, have these guys done your show? Because I was going to kind of blow out Ricky because I've tried to get Ricky on for years. And I I go through J.H. and J.H. is always, it's always, he's busy. So (laughs) I was hoping to get him to be like, dude, I'll do your show. But it didn't. Uh, didn't. Steve didn't lob me the softball that I was hoping for. Right. Yeah. All right. Before I let you guys go. I feel like 500 was the best of the century shows. I don't, I don't think anybody could possibly have an opinion different than that one on this, this one. Uh, But talent, where do we go for 600? Like what possibly could top this other than, I don't know. I was gonna say other than James in studio, but I don't know that James, in my opinion, would be better than uh, what we just had.
11: No, I think you, I think you have to get James and Reed, maybe, but I don't know if it's going to top it. It might meet, it might, you know, meet the expectations of this one, but I don't know if you could go over this one.
4: Yeah, I, st- I think that'd be really, that'd be an amazing show, but I still, yeah, I think I don't know talent or uh, Marks. I don't know that you top 500. I just, I think you have to set 500 on a, a different playing field. Like th- that's all by itself. That's, we we can't compare this to anything else ever again.
12: It does seem like that right now, right? Yeah. Is, um it, it, it was it was incredible. It was honestly incredible. I don't think there's been a lot of negative feedback, if any, uh, so far about it. Um, it. I don't know how you can compare it to the other ones. I, like you said. I think it's got to be in a, kind of a league of its own. And it's what's interesting is when they when Steve announced it on the last show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm watching Discord. I'm watching YouTube chat, and and people were excited for it. There were definitely some like a little bit underwhelmed comments thinking that it might not be uh, you know kind of these guys are a little older they're not really in the sport anymore Um, and I I did notice some of the same people coming back and said "Oh, this this show blew away my expectations like I I was a little underwhelmed on the announcement and I'm I'm actually incredibly impressed so with that said I think that just backs up the notion that it's in a league of its own
4: yeah I can see where they're coming from right because you might think that Ricky's just based off the way Ricky's been, that maybe he's not going to open up so much. Maybe he's going to play it safe. And there were moments when he did play it a little safe, but but then once they got going with some of the stories, and and you could tell how deep that friendship was, and like talking about oh one two thousand two thousand one, yeah, I think that just set it on another level. So I think I think again, we're going to take five hundred as its own thing, and that's not our bar. We we can't Steve can't use that as the bar. Oh, I got to get to that again or top that. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. It's it's its own special <laughs> special edition. Uh, let's let's try to top four ninety nine. So that's about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, anything else, uh, Marks? You want to talk about that happened? Anything that stood out before we go?
12: Um. No. I mean, yeah. It, it's interesting that you say about how like open they they seemed and whatnot because it definitely seemed like they didn't hold back a lot. But man, I'll I'll say even after the, the we stopped recording. It seems like they even went to just a little bit of another level as far as being open. Oh and here we go. See just, this is what I want. Maybe that was just the uh more a little more extensive swearing, you know, being a little less reserved in their language. Um, you know, I think there was a little bit of that. There are probably a couple of topics that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember thinking at the time that oh, uh, this would have been cool to hear, but I don't think they would have they would have mentioned it on there. Um but yeah, they they definitely like their language changes a little bit when they're not recording, so that was interesting to to hear. Um, but all things considered, I think they crushed it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw this in there. You know, I got to drive Ricky to the hotel after. Oh night. yeah, I want to ask like about a that. Couple of, yep, couple of buds. You know, um, th- that was really cool. And he was again just super, super chill and down to earth. And we just chatted about, chatted about life. We chatted about fantasy. We chatted about the races and how the show was. And he said. He, he mentioned probably three or four times how much fun he had and he wouldn't mind doing it again. Um You know, stuff like that. I snaked that away from Talon because he was like, any of you guys going by the, by the Paris? And I was like, yep, I'll go that way, you know, even though I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. I think Talon probably is, is actually – going that direction more than me but i was like yeah i'll take that opportunity. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry sorry lone wolf yeah you need a ride no, back you t-
4: you need a ride back to H- tallahassee florida yep that's where i was headed
12: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not exactly. a problem no, <laughs> it was uh, it was a cool experience and he was like i said he couldn't he couldn't have been more chill yeah very appreciative and, and cool to talk to so uh, it was cool
4: talent how about you man anything that you want to throw on uh, on top of this well, I would have been too nervous to even drive,
11: having Carmichael sitting next to me. So when Mark's piped <laughs> up, I was like, "Okay, cool." Like I, I wanted to. I would have, of course, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I would have been too nervous to drive. I probably would have wrecked my truck. But, <laughs> yeah, but it was I cool. It. Usually, usually after the shows, we leave, you know, within fifteen, twenty minutes after the show. But we all hung out until probably close to eleven thirty, just talking. You know, Daniel was talking to me and uh, Marks, and then. Skip, RC and MC, Steve were all having like their own little conversation over in the corner. And it was cool to just no one was in a rush to leave. Everyone was happy to be there, had a good time and was just hanging out. It was it was pretty cool.
4: That's awesome. So I, I got a couple of tweets here that I screenshot earlier. I, I wanted to bring up just what some people said. Uh at CMRX underscore moto said best show ever. Just not long enough. Skip, MC and RC were just getting warmed up and into the juicy stuff whenever Steve cut them off. Uh Let's see. Your uh, lazy boy said, "I never watch a whole episode online live. I organized my whole night around wow. it." Great job, Pulpomex and everyone else involved. So, a couple of really good stand-up That's, texts or tweets.
12: That is uh you got a lot of that. We got a lot of, you know, even Kiefer had said that he was glued to it from start yep. to finish. You know, and, yep. and you know, Kiefer told me doesn't that. normally give a crap. Yep, um,
4: we talked last night, and he told me that same thing. Yeah,
12: it's crazy. I I fully expected it i was t- putting in slack i was like no i'm i'm good i plan on this going late you know do your thing i expected at least six hours and
10: <laughs> i did when too. He kind of
12: rushed he when he kind of rushed to to wrap it up i think it was probably more for jeremy to to get out of there because i think they were i don't know where they were going but um man i was i was really shocked at how early we we cut it off so so that was i think everyone's biggest complaint was it just wasn't long enough yeah
4: I was surprised too and I was sort of torn because you guys know that I, you know, it's midnight my time and I I have to finish the show Monday night generally to get the wrap up done. So I'm like, okay, I could listen to this for hours and hours and hours, but at some point I have to go to bed and I have a lot of work to do. So I I was torn. I was kinda glad it was over when it was, but had I not had to do a wrap up show, it could have went on for another four hours and I'd be fine.
12: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: All right, guys. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to wrap this thing up. We, I literally have an hour of extra stuff, and this is all <laughs> recorded pre-wrap-up. So if the wrap-up goes an hour and a half like it normally does, this is going to be a two-and-a-half-hour wrap-up show. So, yeah, I hope oh. the people that like it like it, and the people that don't like it, well, fuck you. I don't care. So,
12: If, if any show is worthy of a long wrap-up show, this would be it.
4: I agree. I agree. And you know what? I, I still don't really know how I'm going to do this wrap-up show. Because the normal ones are so many topics, and I can go, all right, well, this topic we'll talk about. Well, this was mostly stories, and I don't feel like by cutting the audio I'm doing them justice without playing the whole story. So I'm, right. still, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how the wrap-up show is going to go tomorrow night. Now, the people listening to this have already heard it. Hopefully it went well. Uh, we'll find out. We'll record it tomorrow. got Randy <laughs> Richardson and Nick still, so it's going to be a good one. But uh Talent uh, and Talent Marks man, thanks for always having time for me and being uh killing it at the job, man. I appreciate you guys.
12: Yeah, no worries. Yeah, no
4: worries. All right, I got one more guest. Uh a gentleman named Cody Fontenot reached out to me on Instagram because if, if you guys know, maybe you don't know from the stories that Steve posted, McGrath and Ricky signed a ton of stuff for Ricky for Jan- uh for Steve that he had in studio that friends and fans or whatever sent to him to get signed and steve was kind enough to do that and cody had a jersey get signed so we're going to get the story from that cody what's going on man
2: hey dark side thank you for having me on
4: yeah i appreciate you reaching out this is kind of cool so give us a little bit of background on this jersey
2: right yeah i thought it would be interesting for the fans so this is 97 season jeremy's on the suzuki um as as he's mentioned several times before Uh, What happened was he was in Houston at a dealer signing. Uh, My dad had sketched two drawings of him and we went to go get one signed and then give him the other one. And then he ended up he was willing to give us his jersey. So he pretty much was, uh, hey, come by the pits after the race and I'll give you my jersey. So, you know, it was just surreal for me. I was around 10 years old and this guy was so huge to me. I grew up, we grew up riding in Louisiana and Texas. So um, that's pretty much the gist of it. He gave us his jersey and uh, it was, he was really nice and and took time to talk to us after the race in the pits. And um, my mom ended up uh, wearing that to work one day to show it off because she (laughs) rode dirt bikes too. And she decided to wash it in the sink and try not to get the signature wet, but I guess the moisture and stuff faded it. And so, yeah. So ever since we always had that story, but my mom kind of <laughs> did us dirty with that <laughs> way to go, mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome.
4: That's great. It's funny though, that you touched on how nice Jeremy was. Cause literally 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago, uh, Randy Richardson and myself and Nick were all talking, Nick still were talking to, about that. And I played some audio about him talking about, you know, if, if he were to meet athletes that he was fans of, like how he would expect them to be and why he is the way he is and being so cool. And you just basically gave us a prime example of that, taking time to do something like that for you.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, being a kid, you you see these guys on on the TV and you would never think they would be that. Friendly and yep. approachable. Exactly. And he was. He he set the bar really high for me.
4: Because, <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, he's just an all-around stand-up guy. And I mean, uh, Steve too for doing what he did. He we, didn't have to do that. Yeah, tell and me how he, that
4: came about because people think so, Steve yeah. is like a could be an asshole and he's not cool to people he doesn't know. So tell me this story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love Steve. He. Uh, I'm a huge Pulp fan. I listen to their. Uh, I work in IT. I'm at home. I work from home, so I'm listening to the podcast all all day. Um, and I just, miss, I've sent him some emails a couple of times. Me and my dad went to Salt Lake City last year, and he gave us some bike trails to look out for for this round 17 series we went there. Um, and so I shot him an email with fingers crossed, hoping he would see it. I knew he was busy. I knew this was a big thing, and he was kind enough to reach out and say, "Hey, let's do it." And uh, yeah, I mean, Steve, everyone's not perfect, but Steve does what he can and definitely goes above and beyond for the little guy. I mean, I'm nobody to him.
4: That's cool though. Right. Cause I tell people I've said on this show many times, like Steve has, he, he legitimately doesn't always want to talk to random people and can think it's weird, but I have never seen him ignore somebody that tries to talk to him and, there's there's no way the, – the times I've been around him where a random person comes up, a fan, to talk to him, he is always friendly and gives them time unless he's rushing to a press conference. But, like, his his uh, image that he tries to put on sometimes above being, I don't care about the people or whatever, that's weird, isn't completely how he is. So the fact that he took time to help you get this jersey signed is just badass.
2: For sure. For sure. And he's got a lot on his plate. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason I love the Pulp Nation and all y'all, uh, the to- whole team is because y'all are just constantly churning out stuff. And for him to take the time to answer an email from some random, random moto dude uh, meant a lot. You know, yep. I try to support everyone uh, through Patreon and, uh, and, and try to do what I can uh, just because I appreciate y'all so much. So, well, but he didn't even know that he didn't even know I was a Patreon supporter or anything. So uh, yeah, that's cool.
4: Yeah. Yeah, Pookie, Pookie told me uh, Tuesday night, and it's, it's going to be in this audio that during the show. Actually, people listening to this now, you already heard what Pookie said. But she said they had like three fold-out tables of um, jerseys and, and merchandise, whatever, that needed to be signed. And the guys, Ricky and Jeremy, signed everything. So that's super cool. Um, all right, Cody, man, anything else you want to say before I let you go?
2: Well, the next thing I got to get him to sign is his, uh, his, uh, Torley design SE helmet. That oh, I
10: hell uh, yeah. That
2: thing. Uh, that thing is a work of art. And, uh, one day, one day, I hopefully we'll make it to Denver races. I'm thinking of driving there from Houston. Um, so maybe I doubt he'll be there though.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, he said that he's going to a couple more races and I know he said the finals. I don't remember if he said Denver or not. Um, yeah, but well, hopefully you get that done what do you think of 500 man overall
2: oh man i i don't know how i could have been in more suspense for it to happen <laughs> right uh, right just the i mean they should have just bottled air from that room and just sold
4: it and <laughs> uh, uh, he, he still might
2: yeah the chemistry was amazing steve yeah. just handled it so professionally i mean i've been listening from pulp 01 show and I think I'm at 33 now, just reliving the past. And he's just come so far. Um, it was one of the most refined episodes. And for him to have that much talent in one room, I'm su- surprised the roof
4: stayed on on the house. Well, they're, they're tall <laughs> ceilings, man. They're tall. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cody, I'm going to wrap this thing up and get this thing edited. Uh, I, I appreciate you reaching out, man. It's really cool to hear your story. Thanks, DarkSide, for all you do, brother. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for reaching out. talk to you soon and that is a wrap on another pulp X wrap-up show holy crap two hours and 54 minutes is where we're at see you next week
5: why would you want to re-talk about
4: the
12: pulp show
0: See yeah. yeah.